holiday. The 62-year-old was arrested in London last night after a public appeal. The family were on holiday at the time in the Canary Islands in Lanzarote when the attempted snatching took place in January last year. The girl's father spotted her being led into an alleyway by the man before he managed to grab her back. Now, the organisation which represents manufacturers of fire protection systems says it's a postcode lottery as to whether your fire brigade attends in the event of an automatic fire alarm. The Fire Industry Association's calling for a universal approach to attending AFAs or automatic fire alarms. Well, Graham Ellicott from the Fire Industry Association will be giving his views to Ian Lee here on BBC Three Counties Radio in the next half an hour. The NHS has announced that a goal it set back in 2008 to increase organ donation from people who've died by 50% has been achieved. It's praised what it called a landmark event, but says three people in the UK still died every day because of a lack of donor organs and that more still needed to be done. Here and campaigners say they'll continue the fight against thousands of new homes being built on the southern edge of Aylesbury. The District Council rejected the Hamden Field plans yesterday, but as they've taken so long to make a decision, a public inquiry may give it the go-ahead later on this summer. Peter Forrest, who lives in the area, says it would be wrong to allow Aylesbury to sprawl out without a proper plan. There's no real provision for a school in this plan. There's no real provision for improved road networks and there's no real provision for new employment and in those terms it's just not sustainable sport now milton Keynes dons will check on the fitness of midfielder stephen gleason ahead of saturday's trip to leighton orient gleason was forced off with an ankle injury during tuesday's night win over swindon weather then for beds hearts and bucks and it will brighten up eventually sunny spells come the afternoon few heavy showers though until then temperatures double figures 14 degrees celsius there's more news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties bbc three counties radio first for news Good morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. What is it, three minutes past six? It's Thursday! It's Thursday! I, I, yes, I woke up this morning and thought it was Friday. Slightly disappointing. Never mind. Never mind two more days of this nonsense. Lots coming up on the show this morning, including... A murder inquiry is underway after a man was shot dead outside a house in Luton. How concerned are you about gun crime? If an automatic fire alarm goes off, then your fire service may or may not turn up. It depends where you are in beds, hearts and bucks. We'll have a look at why it's becoming a postcode lottery. And the latest figures for Marks and Spencer are out later on. Clothes sales are expected to be down. Why do you think that fewer people are shopping there? Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR... Or you can give me a call, 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Marks and Spencer's used to be big. I buy my pants from there. I do. Pants and socks from Marks and handkerchiefs, because you know what you're getting. Um, And gloves. That's it. That's it. And every time I go in there to buy new pants, which is once every six, seven years... Um, I think, well, have a little look at the... Oh, I bought my coat from there as well, because it was reduced in the sale. It was, it was reduced by a lot in the sale. doesn't quite fit, but I thought I'll have that. Um, but, but there's something missing in Marks and Spencers, isn't it? it? It used to be aimed at, sort of, I guess, people in their 40s and 50s. It seems to have lost that bit of the market, but the younger people, the, the kids... You're not going to get the kids say, hey, once you've finished in River Island and um, H&M... 
we're going to go to Marx's and have a look there. You d- they don't do it, do they? <laughs> 08459 455 555. On to slightly more serious issues. Police in Luton say they are determined to make the town a safer place despite another shooting. A murder inquiry is underway after a man was shot dead outside a house on the Lucy Farm estate yesterday. It's the ninth reported violent crime involving guns in the town this year. Well, people who live on the estate told our reporter, Jessica Cooper, it's got a bad reputation. Not shocked, really, at all. Why aren't you shocked, though? Just because it isn't too unheard of? No, nah, it's not too unheard of around this area, really. Sort of happens all around. See someone, stuff all the time. Then there's always people that like, get attacked in their cars, like, literally just on the shell garage. So it's like, you sort of, obviously it's scary, but it's just something that people think, oh, don't go to Lucy Farm, because that's why really, mm. but nothing uncommon around this area. And how did you feel when you woke up this morning and heard about what had happened? What, what was your I kind of immediate thought? I was like, oh my God, because as, again, as I said, it's so so common around here that things are happening. Mm. It's not a surprise at all. It shouldn't necessarily be so common, should no. it? So why do you think it's happening? Well, what's kind of causing it? I don't know, really. Just sort of the way things is around here. Mm. It just happens. People, just... people seem to be more annoyed that the road's shut off than anything else. There's inconvenience. And actually, what's happened? So. Could anything be done more to try and improve this? I mean, is something lacking in this area? Do you think that could help the situation? I think they need like more like neighbourhood watch sort of people because yeah. there's just there's so much stuff that goes on around here. I mean, like people right in front of you doing dodgy deals, and you can see it all the time. So they just need more police around here, really, to keep an eye on things because it's just dodgy estate. Well, Kate Whaley is from the Hertfordshire-based organisation MAMA, which stands for Mothers Against Murder and Aggression. Morning, Kate. Good morning. Kate, nine incidents already this year and this latest murder in Luton. How concerned are you about these statistics? Well, you know, we're constantly being told at the moment that violent crime is is on the decrease, and it is, but um, it's still too high. There's no doubt about that, and certainly in certain pockets. I mean, the two members of the public you, you have chatting there, um, some of their comments are concerning. You know, one of them being people are more concerned about the road being shut than what's actually happened. I mean, that's, there's, a, there's an issue of complacency in that area from the, from the public that's, that's really concerning. And you're right to flag up that the, the police say that, that gun crime and violent crime is down. Yeah. But there are people that are worried about these statistics. Should people be worried? Um, I'd be worried. I mean, they're not good statistics. And and although the statistics for for violent crime are on the decrease, um, research is telling us that people's fear of crime is actually on the increase. So I think people are worried about... Whose fault is that? Is that that my fault? Is that the the newspapers for making it sound worse than perhaps it is? It's possibly the, the, the reporting. I mean, you know, we're told a lot more and we're told it a lot quicker and we get a lot more detail than, than we used to. Um, but I think it's probably more the fact that violent crime used to be something we'd hear of rarely and it would be very extreme and it would affect certain members of society. Now, I think what's happening is violent crime is um, becoming very close to home for a lot of people. So, for example, people bringing up teenagers are extremely concerned about violent crime because of street violence, for example, which Mm. affects young teenagers. So I think that violent crime is changing. 
there is a tendency, isn't there, when, when something like this happens, particularly involving uh, in guns, the police find it difficult to get information because people are afraid of coming forward or they don't want to, um, you know, grass up their mates or, or, or things like that. Can anything be done to change those attitudes? I, I think that's a community issue and I think it's a major issue. And I think we all tend to sit back and, you know, you, you, the lady you spoke to there said, you know, we need more police. Well, the police are not going to be able to stop this unless they get the help that they need as far as members of the community coming forward. And, and that's a two-sided coin. The police need to do more so that members of the community feel safe and confident that if they come forward, one, something will be done about what they're telling the police, and two, they'll, they'll be safe. They, they won't be in danger. In some areas of the community, there, there, there is a, a resentment towards the police, isn't there? What, why do you think that is? There's been a breakdown between some, some parts of the community and the police. And again, um, it's, it's about the police having a, a tough job to do uh, as far as building up confidence uh, amongst some communities that it is the right and it is the best thing to do to come forward and speak to the police if there's something going on that, that you know needs addressing. And Kate, when you hear about uh, uh, someone being shot and, and killed, how does that make you feel? Your thoughts immediately, I mean, because we're working with um, members of, of families and close friends who are affected by, by that type of crime, your thoughts immediately go to the family. And, you know, you hope that they're getting the help, support and assistance that they're going to need to, to get them through this. Kate, appreciate your time this morning. That's Kate Whaley from uh, MAMA, which stands for Mothers Against Murder and Aggression. If you want to take part in the show this morning, you can do. As always, look, all of the lines are free. You could be the first caller on the show. You'd win a sticker, not a real sticker, a metaphorical sticker, 08459 455 555. Are you concerned about the number of violent crimes and gun crime in particular? Well, police say that the figures are down, but does that make you feel any safer? 08459 455 Things that's held us down But now it looks like things are finally coming around I know we've got a long, long way to go And where we'll end up, I don't know But we won't let nothing hold us back We're putting our shirts together We're polishing up our act And if you've ever been held down before I know you refuse to be held down anymore Don't you let nothing Yeah. 
BBC Three Counties Radio. Why have you stopped using Marks and Spencers? The figures are coming out later today. It's expected that the uh, figures for uh, the clothes shopping will be down. Why, why have you stopped shopping there? 08459 455555. Right, here's the travel news now. It's Adam Glynn. Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian. Things looking pretty good across the Three Counties so far today. We've had no incidents reported out there on the roads, no accidents either. Looking pretty clear on all the major routes. No delays right now on the A1M or the M1 heading to or from London. M40 is looking pretty good on the cameras as well. Trains are running without any issues. A couple of problems on the tubes if you are heading into London. At the moment, Bank Station on the Northern Line is closed because of a fire alert. And the Victoria Line is suspended southbound between Seven Sisters and Victoria because of the late finish of engineering work. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Adam. Right, 6.15. It's Thursday the 11th of April. I'm Ian Lee and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Police in Luton have stepped up patrols overnight in the Lusey Farm area following a fatal shooting. A man has been arrested in connection with the kidnap of a young girl from Milton Keynes while on holiday. And in sport, Milton Keynes Dons will check on the fitness of midfielder Stephen Gleeson ahead of this weekend's game to Leighton Orient. The weather today for beds, hearts and bucks. It'll brighten up with sunny spells developing in the afternoon, but also a few heavy and perhaps thundery showers. Oh, I like thundery showers. Maximum temperature, 14 degrees. That's vaguely tropical. Coming up, if an automatic fire alarm goes off, then your fire service may, or indeed, may not turn up. It depends where you are in beds, hearts and bucks. Before 6.30, we'll look at why it's become a postcode lottery. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
tackling your consumer problems. On BBC Three Counties Radio. My son took it to, back to the, the garage. The mechanic says, yeah, I know what it is. So they took it in, done what they had to do, and the car was still the same, still doing the same thing. The JVS Show. Fighting for your rights. The long and short of it is, he agreed that he would replace the car. If you have a consumer problem, we can do the same for you. I'd like to thank you and your team for everything you've done. We wouldn't have got where we got without you. It's a pleasure. I'm going to call that a result. Any other problems, you know where I am, Stuart. The JVS Show. Fighting for your rights. Weekday mornings from nine on BBC Three Counties Radio.
Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio, 20 past six, Thursday. Now, if an automatic fire alarm goes off, then your local fire service may or may not attend, depending on whereabouts in the three counties you are. The organisation, which represents manufacturers of fire protection systems, says it's a postcode lottery. Well, it's calling for a universal approach to attending automatic fire alarms. At the moment, the only brigade outside London to attend all the time, no matter what, with blue lights, is Buckinghamshire Fire and Rescue. Hearts Fire and Rescue only attend automatic fire alarms in the case of care homes or hospitals, and Bedford should say they don't attend if they're told it's a false alarm. Well, Graham Ellicott is from the Fire Industry Association. Morning, Graham. How are you, Ian? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. So at the moment, it, it's a postcode lottery as to whether your fire brigade will attend in the case of an automatic fire alarm. Why is that? Uh, the reason for that is that uh, each fire and rescue service is now independent in England, so it has the ability to set its own attendance policy. There's no government diktat, if you will, which would say you should attend or you shouldn't attend various types of fire alarm. And this is unlike Scotland, of course, now, which now has one fire service, but even before that had one attendance policy. So in England, it's all over the place. In Scotland, if the fire alarm goes off, the fire brigade attends. So let, let, let's, let's assume that I own a Clark's shoe shop in the high street. Two o'clock in the morning, the fire alarm goes off. Uh, if I live in Hearts, they, they, they won't come and have a look at it. Well, I need to reread their policy, but my guess is that, yes, that if, if the alarm goes off, it will be transmitted to an alarm receiving centre. Yeah. The alarm receiving centre will pass the call to fire and rescue. Almost certainly fire and rescue will say, is the, are you sure there's a fire? And they will say, no, all we've got is a signal that says that the alarm has gone off. And they will probably then say that they're not going to attend unless the alarm receiving centre can... can can confirm that fire. And how long could that take? Because meanwhile, all of my shoes are, are, are burning down. Uh, how long could that take for that to be confirmed? Well, that could take quite some time. Wow. I mean, if you think about the call, the signal being passed, mm. and then the call going back, and then the alarm receiving centre guy tries to call you or your key holders, he may try for three or four minutes various numbers, may not be able to get hold of anyone, will then call back to Fire and Rescue to say, look, I believe there's a fire, but I can't confirm it. You then, you know, could have lost three, four, five, ten minutes or so. And, of course, the situation's further exacerbated if, in your Clark shoe shop, you've got flats above and there are people asleep. Yeah. Well, I'm assuming this is, uh, this is done to save money, is that right? Yes, I mean, there's no doubt there is a problem with false alarms in the UK, and Buckinghamshire has done a wonderful job in driving down the number of false alarms in conjunction with the trade, which proves it can be done. So that's why they attend everything. Some of the other fire and rescue services haven't been so successful for whatever reason in driving down the number of false alarms. And that means that uh, they're loath to attend because they feel that, uh, you know, they'll be put in, uh, putting fire appliances on the road and wasting money. The problem is that uh, the vast majority of AFA systems function very well. Mm. It's only a very small number that calls false alarms, and those are persistent ones. So you may have, so, say, 5% persistent offenders, but the other 95% are being penalised if the alarm goes off. 
Has has anyone been killed as a result of an automatic fire alarm not being attended? Uh, we're not aware of that. I'd, I'd hasten to add that that's not the sort of thing that perhaps would make the news in many cases. Certainly Fire and Rescue obviously wouldn't publicise that. And the insurers, if there's a, you know, a property loss, are not keen to admit uh, that they've had a loss. So it's not the sort of thing that makes the press easily. But, it, but it potentially it, it, it could have happened. It, yes, we believe so. We believe there have been losses and we believe there are court cases pending at the moment where Fire and Rescue didn't attend for whatever reason and there have been major losses, but the insurers are loath to, you know, go on the record and say where they are. So what would you like to see? The, all brigades attending all automatic fire alarms? Ideally, that's what we would like. We've worked with the Chief Fire Officers Association for the last 10 years or so on our third protocol with regard to attendance at uh, automatic fire alarms. The problem is that every time we come up with a protocol with them, it doesn't get enforced across the brigades in England. So, you know, whilst we can do all the work with the central organisation, when it comes to getting it carried out locally, that's almost impossible. And, of course, they've no diktat to make that run. We'd like to see them move to the Scott system, where there is one consistent policy across the country, so that business knows, you know, who's going to attend. Don't you need to put pressure on manufacturers to make sure there are no problems with these alarms? Well, yes, and that's we, we have done that. We are running a big programme at the moment, a three-phase researcher programme, one, to gather data with the exact reason for false alarms, because believe it or not, the statistics that are published are not that accurate. Mm. Moving on from that, we're identifying major premises. I mean, the major problems, the problem areas are generally places like hospitals and um, schools, etc., and perhaps sleeping accommodation where students are, halls of residence. And we're going to go into them and, you know, fit new technology fits, to, et cetera, to drive down the incidence of false alarms. And, of course, we, we have done that already with people like King's College in London, for instance. Graham, I appreciate your time this morning. That's Graham Ellicott from the Fire Industry Association. Oh, wait, 459 455 
So the monkeys are just announced they're going to do another tour of the States. Now, now, how can I persuade, A, someone to sponsor me to go, and B, convince my wife I can go again? I don't think it's going to happen. I think I've used up all of my monkeys points. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio, coming up to 6.30. Let's get the travel news now with Adam Glynn. Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Things still looking pretty good out there. No real delays on the roads so far this morning. If you're headed for the M25, you'll find it moving quite well right now. It's looking absolutely fine through the section with the Roadworks Junction 25 through to 23. A1M, oh, maybe slowing just a little bit at present as you go past Hatfield, but certainly nothing too bad. And the trains are running without issues. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Adam. 6.30, time for the news and sport with Serena Farrow. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. Police in Luton have stepped up patrols overnight in the Lucy Farm area following a fatal shooting. A man's been arrested in connection with a kidnap of a young girl from Milton Keynes whilst on holiday. The organisation, which represents manufacturers of fire protection systems, says it's a postcode lottery as to whether your fire brigade actually attends in the event of an automatic fire alarm. And the NHS has announced a goal it set in 2008 to increase organ donation from people who've died is by 50% it's been achieved. That's all your sport news, even. Let's now turn to sport. Beds, Hearts and Bucks Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. So the first round of Golf's Masters at Augusta National gets underway today. Woburn-based Ian Poulter's being tipped to repeat his Ryder Cup heroics and claim his first major title. I feel like I'm ready to go out there and, and play some good golf. I mean, there's, there's keys to this golf course which I have to do well. And... Uh, I've done a number of those things well in the past, so I need to I need to pull upon those and make sure I'm doing the right things well and limiting any mistakes. Moving on to football, and Barcelona qualified for the semi-finals of football's Champions League last night by beating Paris Saint-Germain on away goals. The scores were tied three all on aggregate. Locally, Milton Keynes Dons will check on the fitness of midfielder Stephen Gleeson. That's ahead of Saturday's trip to Leighton Orient. Gleeson was forced off with an ankle injury during Tuesday night's win over Swindon. And in rugby league, Hemel Stags have requested a switch of venue. It's for their Challenge Cup tie against Super League side Wakefield. Hemel were drawn at home, but the tie will be played at the home of the West Yorkshire team on Saturday, April the 20th, with a six o'clock kickoff. BBC Three Counties Radio, more from me at seven. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning. I'm worried. I'm a little bit too perky for 6.32 on a Thursday. It, I, I, I fear I'm going to peak. Yeah, it's going to be a downwards crash. I think at some point during the show, let's keep our fingers crossed and let's let's hope that there's a steady supply of coffee and biscuits brought into the studio, just to, just to, for medicinal purposes. That's all. Uh, coming up between now and seven o'clock, the latest figures for Marks and Spencer are out later. Clothes sales are expected to be down. Well, why do you think fewer people are shopping there? Why have you stopped shopping there? Our reporter, Justin Daly, has been to St Albans to find out what you think. And there's been a dramatic rise in organ donation. There's been an increase of 50% following a target set five years ago. We'll look at the reasons behind the rise. And we have discussed organ donation on this show before. And some of you... Listen, when I die, take what you want. Take what you want. Help yourself. You can have any of it. 
But some of you are very peculiar about the bits that you don't want to give away. Are you up for organ donation? And what bits of your body do you not want to see given away when you're dead? There are lots of you that are quite funny about your eyes. Oh, no, don't take my eyes. Don't. Why? You're going to be dead. It doesn't matter. Oh, no, don't take my eyes, please. What bits of your body do you want to cling on to when you're dead? 08459 four double five five double five. We'll speak to Dealey next. I'm wishing on a star To follow where you are I'm wishing on a dream
Well, one star that I like to wish on is BBC Three Counties rising star... Justin Dealey. Do you like that? <laughs> well, do you know what? I love that. I love the record. Gwen Dickey there. Here's a showbiz story. Yes. Gwen Dickey, the lead singer of Rose Royce. <laughs> yeah. I, I met her last He's off. week. He's off. I met her last week and sadly she's in a wheelchair. Oh. She still performed Car Wash at this gig I went to, but she fell off a ladder last year. Can you believe that? But uh, but hopefully wow. she won't be in that wheelchair for, for too much longer. She could be making a full recovery. Hopefully. Fingers, Fingers crossed. crossed. Well, look, mm. at the, look at you with all the inside showbiz no, gossip. No, It's incredible, isn't it? Well, listen, the reason we've got you on. Justin Dealey, you're, you're a man about town. <laughs> um, I would imagine that you have never bought anything from Marks and Spencers. No, I haven't. I've got to be completely honest with you. The, the last time I walked into Marks and Spencers, I didn't really know what that shop was. Yeah. Because when I walked well, in, I saw... It's a clothes shop. Yeah. It's clothes and food. <laughs> and right? food yes, obviously. But, uh, <laughs> but in terms of the clothing, I mean, obviously food, I buy lots of food from m and I love yeah. their food. But, but in terms of the clothing, I walked in, I saw all these pictures of Jamie Redknapp, and, and they were going for this cooler, younger crowd, let's say. Yeah. And I couldn't really work out who their target market was. It was all very confusing for me. Uh, do you not get your pants from there? No. Where do you get your pants from? I get my pants from TK Maxx. <laughs> <laughs> Too much information. No, 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 not enough, some might say. Uh, well, anyway, listen, the reason we're talking about Mark Suspenses is because the retailer is going to announce its latest sales figures this morning, and it's expected to re- reveal that general merchandise sales slumped by 4.5%, with some in the city expecting a fall as high as 6%. You've been out in St Albans chatting to people, haven't you, Justin? Yes, absolutely. I've been talking to shoppers there in St Albans, and I asked them why they're turning their backs on Marks and Sparks, and this is what they had to say. I think particularly in this area, we don't really have a great choice of of stores and the in-store experience isn't as good as it should be and certainly not as good as I've experienced elsewhere and from other um, from other providers if you like. I would only shop in there for certain things now, um, so food, possibly uh, nightwear, lingerie, but things like knitwear, I just don't know what their market is now, so no, I wouldn't shop there for things like that anymore. I think they need to make sure that their ranges are more specific for specific people. I know certainly younger people, um, younger than me just wouldn't shop there because i do most of my shopping online i don't have time to go into the store now to look around so i need to just go online see what i want to see the sizes and then just order it online quicker nothing's been updated on it compared to other stores uh, they have their own designer stuff been brought in um s just do their own brand and that's it basic what would it take justin to get you to go shopping in marks and spencers or, or is it just too big a quantum leap could they never change enough to get you in there i don't think they could i, I think you know in time i may well shop in there i mean i worked in marketing for for a short period in my life and and some things do confuse me about their messages at their last adverts at christmas well i thought those adverts were gap adverts clearly gap and marks and spencers they are going for a different target audience. Also, they've been using Mylene Class. Now, Mylene Class, I would describe, do you back me up here, Ian? She's a yummy mummy, correct, Mylene Class? I don't know if I'd use that phrase, but yes, uh, yes, for the okay. sake of this conversation, uh, yes, she's a yummy mummy. Let's call her a yummy mummy. So if they're using Mylene Class on their adverts, uh, she, of course, uh, has got a couple of children. I spoke to somebody yesterday, and they said to me that in Marks and Sparks, in Milson Keynes, the branch they went into, I'm not quite sure whether it's UK-wide, but they don't sell maternity clothing. Now, you would think if they were using her on their adverts, they would want to sell maternity. They need correct? to get Dealey... You're correct. They yes. need to get Dealey on the board. <laughs> this is... Uh, this is I, 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 th- I, I do like buying my sandwiches from there. My, they're yep. my sandwich du jour. Uh, their other food's a little bit pricey. And the clothes are just... 
I bought a coat there, and you've seen my coat, and that is a cracking yeah. coat, isn't it? Is it? Sorry? Yeah, okay. Um, but, but the other clothes, they're just a bit... They're a bit old manish for me, well, and I'm well, nearly 40. Well, when I walked in there, I, I certainly saw two ends of the spectrum. I saw young, trendy suits, which were, were too trendy, if you like, and then clothes for a much older market. Clearly, they're doing something wrong with their clothing range. The figure's out this afternoon. They're expected to be down, but their food sales expected to go up. So they're doing something right there with their food. It's just the clothing. But again, as that lady mentioned there in that piece, I think the big draw for people now is online shopping. We all have very, very busy lives. If we can go onto our computer, click the button, and that then turns up at our front door, why do you need to go down the high street? So ah. it's not just a Marks and Sparks thing, it's a high street thing, You've full stop. just cleared up for me how online shopping works, <laughs> Justin. Thank you. So, what is it? Is it, um, uh, are they trunks? Are they boxes? Are they briefs? Uh, they are briefs and sometimes boxes. It depends what sort of mood I'm in. When I wake up in the morning, I think, mm, what sort of mood am I in today? Oh, a trunk mood. I go for the trunks. What Thank mood you are you much. in today, Diddy? What are you uh, packing? I'm today. in a trunk mood today. Good lad, excellent stuff. That's certainly got some of the mums and indeed some of the dads a little bit hot under the collar. 08459 455 555. Where have you stopped shopping in Marks and Spencers for clothes? It was, the food pr- is going up. I do like the food in Marks's. It's just a little bit pricey. I'll, go, I'll, I'll get my sandwiches in there because I, I like a nice sandwich. Uh, but th- And sometimes I'll shop in there if I'm feeling posh, I'm feeling a bit, you know, if I've, if I've had a good week, I'm feeling a bit flush, I'll go and shop in there. But it's a little bit pricey. But the clothes. I get my... I, no, actually, there are more things. I get my shirts from Marx's because they do an excellent range of... I've got very long arms, monkey arms, and I struggle to buy longer shirts with longer sleeves. Uh, and they do an, ex- an excellent range of shirts with uh, an extra two inches on the sleeves. I, I need an extra two inches, otherwise I'm just not satisfied. And, and they can do that for me. So what do I buy? Shirts with longer sleeves, handkerchiefs, Pants, socks, a coat in the sail and slippers. That's it. It's not bad, actually, is it? Now no, think about it. I am turning into an old man. Oh, wait, 459. Four double five five double five. Why don't you shop in M&S anymore? Lorraine on Facebook uh, has said people don't have the money to buy more expensive items. One more expensive item, even if it lasts longer. People are using shops like Primark to buy several items for the price of one from Marx's. I remember, it was only a few years ago that you could, um, that they didn't allow you to use credit cards and debit cards. You had to pay by cash or cheque. When did that stop? I say a few years ago. It's probably about 10 years ago. But even then, it was revolutionary. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. Why have you stopped shopping in Marks and Spencers? Is it the price? Is it the, the limited fashions they have there? I wouldn't buy a suit there. You can also go to facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. Right, let's get the travel news now. Here's Adam Glynn. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Things looking reasonably good. It's starting to slow in a couple of the usual spots. The M25, as you go past Chesant on the anti-clockwise carriageways, looking quite slow. Of course, that's in the bit with the roadworks. From Junction 25, the A10 through to 23 at the A1M is where we've got the 50-mile-an-hour speed restriction and the narrow lanes. It's also starting to build up anti-clockwise from Watford at Junction 19 to Chorleywood, the A404 at Junction 18. 
Speed centres aren't really showing too much else looking slow at present. A1M past Stevenage is looking okay for the time being. We've got no delays in and around Luton or Dunstable. And on the trains, no reported problems. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Adam. Right, 6.45, it's Thursday, the 11th of April. I'm Ian Lee, and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. There's an increased police presence in the Lusey Farm area following a fatal shooting. A man has been arrested in connection with the attempted kidnap of a young girl from Milton Keynes while on holiday with her parents. And in sport, Barcelona qualified for the semi-finals of the Champions League last night by beating Paris Saint-Germain. Coming up, there's been a dramatic rise in organ donation. There's been an increase of 50% following a target set five years ago. We'll look at the reasons behind the rise. Are you signed up to donate your organs? And are there bits of your body you just don't want to let go of? 08459 455 555. All that and more after the weather with Elizabeth Rossini. Beds, Hearts and Bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hi, very good morning to you. Well, we saw quite a lot of wet weather overnight, so you want to watch out for those rather large puddles on the roads. Now, temperatures at the moment ranging between around 4 and 6 degrees Celsius. They are going to climb into this afternoon when we could see a little bit of sunshine. But for the moment, it's a rather overcast start to the day. That rain band has now pushed off to the east, thank goodness, um, leaving us with um, yeah quite a lot of cloud, a little bit of um, drizzle at times too but it should brighten up as we head through the late morning and into the afternoon. We'll probably get some spells of sunshine in places, but this in turn is going to trigger off some heavy showers in places. Expect them to be, yeah, one or two heavy downpours, perhaps even thundery, haily in places. Wouldn't rule that completely out of the question. Uh, But temperatures in the sunshine will rise nicely to possibly 10 or even 11 degrees in um, Luton and Stevenage and Milton Keynes as well. That's uh, 54 in Fahrenheit, 12 degrees Celsius. So it's not going to be, it's not going to be a bad looking day um, but just watch out for that wet weather because there certainly will be some in the form of heavy showers this afternoon. Um, This evening and overnight any remaining showers will die away and we should see a mostly dry night but it will be a wet start to the day again tomorrow. More or less the same sort of thing. Um, Quite wet through the morning. Eventually uh, the cloud will start to thin and break and this will trigger off some showers as well. So uh, yeah another day of sunshine and showers. Temperatures picking up nicely as we get to the weekend. You probably already heard but it's not going to be water water sunshine it'll be quite cloudy and windy at times too no that's the i'm not having this can you but please for the sake of me and my listeners can you sound sad when you say it's going to be wet all day today oh no it won't be wet all day all right but for the bits that it's going to be wet can you do it in a sad voice oh i'm sorry but farmers and growers have been watching they've been wanting this rain they have to sound happy you're you're reveling in the misery of my listeners (laughs) shame on you surely not see you later This weekend, we bring you three days of live sport. It all starts on Friday night from 7, with live commentary from the conference. And that is that, surely. Knowing they can't climb out of the league, it's all about pride now for Luton. These games now uh, have been all about, certainly for us to look at players, and also for players to put a case forward for them. This time, they're at home to Grimsby. Live conference football, Friday night from 7, on BBC Three Counties Radio.
Now, <clears throat> what's happening to me? I quite like the chorus in the Ollie Moore's song there. I don't like um, Moore's as a performer. I'm sure he's a delightful gentleman. I don't like the verses, but it's a very catchy chorus. Am I, am I coming round to the ways of Moore's? I could be. It's a, it's a very catchy chorus. I don't think he'd last two minutes in the army. I'm sure he would, uh, he, he would collapse in a heap like a, the, the gibbering wreck he is. But, but, what a catchy chorus. I suggest that Luton book him for a big concert later on in the year, charge overpriced money for tickets, and I might pop along and see him. 08459 455. 555 is the telephone number. We're going to be talking um, this morning about organ donation. Uh, Are you signed up for it? If not, why not? I'm really interested to find out why you wouldn't want to give bits of your body away when you die to people, in the knowledge that it would probably save someone's life. Or maybe you've had to make the decision about a partner or, a, oh, I'm going to say it, a child that passed away. And um, you were asked by a doctor, um, uh, I know this is probably not an appropriate time, but we need to make the decision quickly. Would you be prepared to give any of your sons or your daughters or your husbands or your wife's organs up for donation? We have someone that could do with a, their heart. Have you been asked that? How did it make you feel? Because you have to do it quickly, don't you, when they've passed away. You have to do it pretty sharpish for it to be worthwhile. And you're at your lowest. You're at your darkest point in your life and someone is saying, can we cut up the person that you love the most and take a bit of their body? If you've been asked that question, how on earth did you react to it? And how did it make you feel? 08459 455 555. I like to think that um, I, I would willingly... Right, listen, bits of my body, you can grab it. You can have any of it. Have anything you want. I'm trying to think, and I, it's, it's a horrible fantasy to run through my mind. But if one of my boys passed away... Oh, horrible. And I'm not going to dwell on this for too long at all. Because it's a very upsetting thought. And if a doctor came in and said, well, I don't know if you've considered organ donation. It's impossible to guess, isn't it? I would like to think I'd say, yes, please, please do. If it saves a life, please do. But have you been in that position? 08459 455 555. And if you don't want bits of your body taken away, which bits don't you want? It was Kelly Betts. Member of this team, works on the BBC Introducing Show, who uh, last time we, we mentioned um, organ donation said, don't, don't take my eyes. I need my eyes to see in heaven. I don't think it works like that, partly because there is no heaven. But what, what bits of your body are you keen to cling on to? 08459 455 555. And if you've ever been in the position of losing a loved one and saying being asked by a doctor are you prepared to um give bits of your loved one's body away i'm sure they're asking in a slightly uh, better fashion than that what was your response how did that make you feel you've just lost the person that's most important to you and someone is asking for a, a bit of their body 08459 455 555 you can also go to facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Stephen's on the line. Stephen! Good morning, Ian. How Good, are you? I'm fine, thank you. Stephen, would, would, would you give away any bits of your body? No, not any of it. Really? Why? It's, it's been promised to another. It's been promised to who? 
to another person. Who? My missus has made me sell my body to the MS Society when I die so they can chop me up and have a poke in a pod and find out what's going on. Well, that, that, that is, I guess in so. Hang on a minute. Did you say you, you've sold your body? <laughs> is there any yeah, money involved? No, no. Oh, just, that's a just shame. What, just what? Just what? She had to pay me. So, hang on a second. Who, who's, why, why have you chosen the MS Society? Who's got MS in your family? Well, my lovely wife has MS. Right, she, okay, my, my mum's got it. It's, it's a yeah, pretty I rotten disease, so I, I, I know exactly awful. where you're coming from. Um, well, I guess in some ways this is another form of donation. You're not giving it directly to someone uh, to save their life, but indirectly you could make people's lives a lot better. Well, we hope so. We really do. What, 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 are, what are the MS Society going to do to your body, Stephen, when they get uh, it? I, I don't want to know. <laughs> really? No, uh, no, I don't want to. You'll be dead, Stephen. It won't matter. Ah, uh, no. I think I think they just um, will will cut me up, and then see what difference between that and that. So I really don't know. Well, uh, and, but like you say, I'll be dead, so I don't really care what they do. Exactly. Was it a tough decision to make, Stephen? No, easy. And how did you do it? Did you just phone them up and say, listen, I've got a, a perfect specimen here. I've got, got five foot eleven of pure class. Do you want it? I don't know, and Mrs. sorted all that out for right. me. You're really a little bit squeamish about this, aren't you? Uh, nah. uh, well, say, when, I'm, when I'm dead, I don't really care. Stephen, listen, I appreciate your call. Thank you very much. Well, that, that, that's, that's an, a kind of organ donation. It's donating the whole flipping lot. Good for you. Donating the whole body to medical research. Well, what about you? Would, are you one of these people that's like, no, no, not having this, not having any in my body? Surely it should be, and I've, I've, I've thought this for a long time, it should be an opt-out system that there's a presumed assumption... Uh, that if you die, bits of your body are available for donation unless you've specified otherwise. That makes sense, doesn't it? 08459 455 555. You happy to give up bits of your body once you're dead? Or are there bits of your body that you'd like to cling, up, cling on to? And I'm, I, I really would like to talk to you this morning if you've been put in the position of losing a loved one and the doctor has come in and said, we need to act quickly. Could we have your son's heart? I know it, uh, it's a cold uh, thing to talk about, but um, how did you react? 08459 455 555. Right, let's get the travel news now. Here's Adam Glynn. Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian. And so far this morning, things are still looking excellent. We've got no delays on the major routes, so M1, A1M and the M40 are all looking nice and clear, whether you're heading down toward London or going to the north or elsewhere. Things are looking fine, by and large, on the M25, although you will find it starting to slow anti-clockwise from Junction 26 at Waltham Abbey through to the start of the roadworks at Junction 25 at Enfield, and going through the works a little bit busy as well. Then once you're through them, Kings Langley through to Chorley Wood, Junction 20 to 18 is looking a little busy, as is Junction 17 at Maple Cross to 15 at the M4. If you're using trains anywhere across the three counties this morning, departure boards are showing things running nicely. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. Coming up in the next hour, if you've got a fire alarm and it goes off automatically, well, the fire brigade might not come and see you. Depends on where you live, and apparently, according to some people, it's putting lives at risk. We'll discuss this and more after the news with Serena. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio.
Good morning, the headlines. Police up their patrols in Luton after shooting. Man arrested in connection with attempted kidnap of Milton Keynes girl. And there's a rise in organ donation. BBC Three Counties Radio. There's an increased police presence in the Lucy Farm area following a fatal shooting. A 46-year-old man died at the Luton and Dunstable Hospital after being shot outside a house in Brunel Road just before midnight on Tuesday. Police aren't, though, ruling out a link to the death of 19-year-old Delaney Brown, who died when a car hit his bike. Well, Sandra Glenn is from the Independent Advisory Group on Beds Police. I hope we're not moving towards an era with black-on-black killings and, and, and increasing this type of crime. Um, it says that we need to get a handle on it and as a community come together with the other partners to find a way to solve some of these issues and find out what the young people need, what the affected groups need. Turning to other news and a man's been arrested in connection with the attempted kidnap of a young girl from Milton Keynes whilst on holiday. The 62-year-old was arrested in London last night after a public appeal. The family were in the Canary Islands in Lanzarote when the alleged incident took place in January last year. Now it's a postcode lottery whether your fire brigade actually attends an automatic fire alarm. The Fire Industry Association is the organisation which represents manufacturers of the fire protection systems. It's calling for a universal approach. At the moment, the only brigade outside of London to attend all the time is Buckinghamshire Fire and Rescue. Graham Ellicott, who's from the company, spoke to Ian Lee here on BBC Three Counties Radio earlier. If the alarm goes off, it will be transmitted to an alarm receiving centre. The alarm receiving centre will pass the call to Fire and Rescue. Almost certainly Fire and Rescue will say, are you sure there's a fire? And they will say, no, all we've got is a signal that says that the alarm has gone off. And they will probably then say that they're not going to attend unless the alarm receiving centre can confirm that fire. Doctors are hailing a dramatic rise in the number of organ donations as an outstanding achievement. The NHS says it's met a target set five years ago to increase by 50% the number of people in the UK who are donating their organs after death. And we'll have more on this story coming up in the next hour here on BBC Three Counties Radio. Campaigners say they'll continue the fight against thousands of new homes being built on the southern edge of Aylesbury. The District Council rejected the Hamden Field plans yesterday, but as they've taken so long to make a decision, a public inquiry may now give it the go-ahead later on this year. Peter Forrest, who lives in the area, says there does need to be a proper plan, though. There's no real provision for a school in this plan. There's no real provision for improved road networks, and there's no real provision for new employment. And in those terms, it's just not sustainable. And in sport, Hemel Stags Rugby League Club have requested a switch of venue for their Challenge Cup tie against Super League side Wakefield. Hemel will draw at home, but the tie will now be played at the home of the West Yorkshire team. Weather, and it will brighten up. Few sunny spells around as well. Temperatures reaching ooh, heady heights of 14 degrees Celsius. There's more news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. BBC Three Counties Radio, first for news. I like the way you go down there. Yeah. You go, first for news. Thanks. It's nice. It's no, it's sing-songy. Well, I'm, no, I'm not being sarcastic. You're bringing a little bit of sing-songy joy to the do, people do, of... Do you, want, some books. do you want to know why? Go on. Because, was it before your day? Maybe not. We used to have a little jingle jingle when we did that. Oh. I was like in the mix. I was able to do a little bit of... You were mashing it up a bit. I was, actually. On the ones and twos. And, and essentially, it really, it kind of went up, the music. And so it's always like, first for news, like that. Oh, that's a nice little bit of uh, history. Yeah. See you later. Bye.
morning. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. It's nearly four minutes past seven. I've just looked out of the window. <laughs> it's flipping miserable out there. It's grey and it's wet and it's dark. I don't mind if we get thunderbolts and lightning very, very frightening me. I like thunderbolts and lightning very, very frightening me. But just when it's wet and miserable. I've got to go into London today as well. And there's no, there's no place worse on earth when the weather's like this than London. Yeah. Lots coming up on the show this morning, and i uh, like to get your opinion on some of these stories. A murder inquiry is underway after a man was shot dead outside a house in Luton. How concerned are you about gun crime? And I'll be speaking to a woman who lives to near where it happened in Lucy Farm. If an automatic fire alarm goes off, then your fire service may or may not turn up. It depends where you are in beds, hearts and bucks. Well, we'll find out why Buckinghamshire Fire and Rescue is the only service outside of London which will go to the mall. And Marks and Spencers. <clears throat> Do you shop there? I get my pants from there. Sometimes my hankies, but that's about it. The latest figures for the store are out later. Clothes sales are expected to be down. Why do you think fewer people are shopping there? Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Or you can give me a call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Police in Luton say they're determined to make the town a safer place despite another shooting. A murder inquiry is underway after a man was shot dead outside a house on the Lucy Farm estate yesterday. It's the ninth reported violent crime involving guns in the town this year. Our reporter, Tony Fisher, has been speaking to Sandra Glenn, who is from the Independent Advisory Group on Beds Police. She's also the interim vice chair of a community group called the African-Caribbean Strategic Partnership in Luton. He asked her about the reaction of the community to this latest shooting. Complete dismay, shock, um, disbelief. They had expected something to happen, in all honesty, but didn't think it would be this huge and, and this impactive because... We had a bit of a calm since the, um, the recent incidents that have been going on around shootings in Luton in various areas. And so they had thought that, yeah, it, it seemed like it might calm down, but not. So you just don't know what's happening next. So just to reiterate, Sandra, um, what, what about the connection with the Delaney Brown murder? What can we say about that? Well, we, we want to pass on our condolences to the Delaney Brown and the Brown family because this is the second fatality in that family and of course we feel for them. I passed on my condolences to Dwayne Brown, the father, in the early hours of this morning and basically... Sorry, yes. this is a member of the Brown family? Yes, mm-hmm. it is and unfortunately they've just buried the grandfather so this is their third their third death in, in six months so we, we, our heart bleeds for that family. It's a very, very sad time for them and let's remember that whatever we think we're going through to have that happen to one family in just a short space of time is terrible, tragic. Well, what does this say about Luton again in the spotlight and other shooting? It's, it says that um, I hope we're not moving towards an era with black-on-black killings and, and, and increasing this type of crime. Um, it says that we need to get a handle on it and as a community come together with the other partners to find a way to solve some of these issues and find out what the young people need, what the affected groups need, what the families that have been affected need and so, so we can stop more from happening. Again nothing before it's time. I did say an eye for an eye leaves us all blind and let's hope that's not the case, that we, we find a way to unblinker ourselves and come up with some solutions that can help. And again, condolences to anybody that's affected and condolences to anybody that's been 
touched by the tragedies of last night. Well, at this stage, Bedfordshire police say they cannot confirm the identity of the victim. Tina Williams lives in Lucy Farm and close to where the shooting took place. She joins me now. Morning, Tina. Morning. Tina, for someone who lives near the incident, how, how does that make you feel? You don't expect things like this so close to home, do you? No, you don't. It's a bit unnerving, but, you know, I still feel safe living on the estate. How far away is your house from, from the incident? Uh, just a few doors. And yet you still feel safe. I know that if I lived a few doors away from where a fatal shooting took place, I would be terrified. Um, no, I'm not terrified, but it, it, it's just so unnerving to know that these things are going on and they can, you know, can be near anybody in the country this could happen to. When were you first aware of the shooting, Tina? Uh, when I got up in uh, yesterday morning, my partner said that he'd seen some blue lights go up during the night and it disturbed him. Hmm and sort of dismissed it and when i looked out of the window uh the road was cordoned off just a few doors up from me and uh, there was all these police cars there so i knew something serious had happened how long have you lived in the area um over 10 years and uh, have you seen things get worse there or or is this a rarity it's rare it's rare because it's a really nice place to live the police are saying there has been a reduction uh, in, in gun crime and, and, and violent crime. What, what are people saying on the estate? Are, are, are people more fearful? Are they just getting on with it? Are they not bothered? Um, most of us are getting on with it. Um, we have been, you know, talking amongst ourselves about it and about how easy it is to get guns these days and knives and things and why we're asking, you know, why do they have to use these weapons to sort out arguments or whatever? Your partner works night sometimes. Do you worry about him going out at night? Yeah, I do, but as this has just happened and he's on nights this week, I'm even more worried. Mm. And what does he say about it? Um, he's a bit laid back. <laughs> yeah. He, um, I think he's a bit worried about what's been going on and that, but... He just takes things in his stride. How proactive are the police in the area? Do, do you see many officers around there? Um, yeah, we usually see cars, police cars going up and down during the day. And how do you feel about the way Luton is portrayed in the media? Do you think it gets a bad rap? Yeah, I do, actually. Because every little incident that happens in Luton, it's on the telly straight away or on the radio, and people think that it's a bad place to live, but it isn't. Tina, I appreciate your time this morning. Thank you for coming on. That's Tina Williams, who lives in Lucy Farm. Um, and, and just to say, I don't want to start causing panic, OK? And obviously, this is a horrible thing. Uh, someone's been shot dead. But the police do say that uh, crime figures, violent crime, particularly those involving guns, the figures are down. So I, I don't want any way to people to think that we're somehow inciting panic. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. If you want to give me a call, should we have a quick look at the front page of the newspapers? Daily Telegraph. Um, uh, Tories come out. Uh, Tories come to praise their Bodicea in pearls. There's a picture of Mark Thatcher outside the home of his mother. He said his family had been overwhelmed by messages of support received from across the world. Uh, the Guardian discord among, amid the tributes as Thatcher is honoured. Speaker had rejected call recall of MPs. Angry at morning dress order. Did you um? 
see any of the uh, the tributes being paid in the House of Commons yesterday. I saw some of it. I felt a little bit uncomfortable with it all, really. It seemed an odd... It seemed an odd thing to be doing to have all these people paying tribute. And then when anybody... If anybody dared criticise her, uh, Margaret Thatcher, as uh, Glenda Jackson did... Glenda Jackson, I thought, launched a very brave speech. Whatever you, th- you your politics or your views on it, I thought it was very brave of her to launch that speech, where she criticised a lot of Thatcher's policies and her as a person. Uh, and then it, it got very awkward. Then another MP stood up to kind of have a go at her, and the Speaker said, actually, do you know, no, back down. Ms. Ms Jackson has done nothing wrong whatsoever, so you can't have a go at her. We are here to discuss this free and frankly. I just thought it was an odd thing to be doing in Parliament, to have all these people kind of talking about her as though she were a saint. The Independent, Margaret Thatcher, Parliament takes its leave. Uh, the Express, outrage over anarchists' plan to wreck Maggie's funeral. Five million could get a pension windfall. The Daily Mail, teachers of hatred, revealed the drama mistress and uh, the teacher from Miliband School behind the Maggie death parties. as a, a teacher, Romany Blythe, and um, a lot of the papers have used... This is an opportunity to print a picture of Romany Blythe, who, let's be honest, is is a very well, a very shapely teacher. Put a picture of her in a basque. I'm not quite sure what that's got to do with it. And the sun, spot the lefty. 150 MPs snub Commons Maggie tribute. Tory MPs pack their side of the Commons as the opposition benches stand largely empty. And isn't that wonderful? They're allowed to stand largely empty. empty. That's what's so great, is that they don't have to turn up if they don't want to. I just thought it was a very odd thing to be doing. Organ donation. It's up 50% in the last few years. Are you happy to give bits of your body? John from Stevenage, are you happy to give bits of your body when you're dead? Yeah, hi, Ian. For, for, for years I was dead against it, and I was even dead against it after what I'm going to tell you now. Go on. Um, tw- 22 years ago, my dad got very ill, well, longer than that, but 22 years ago he had a heart transplant through cardiomyopathy. Mm. And I'm a motorcyclist. And for many, many years, I've sort of had this strange feeling that if I put my name down as an organ donor, I'm tempting Providence. Oh, really? You thought that if you... The, <coughs> the, the day after you sign up to give your organs away, you might have a, a, a cycle crash or something? Yeah, that, that, that was interesting? used to go through my mind. And I, that might sound weird to a lot of people, but it was something that niggled me. But I sat down one day and I gave myself a good talking to because I, I pray for a new heart for my dad and... It's very wrong of me to expect somebody else to mm. give their organs up for my family and, and, and me not be prepared to do that for theirs. So was it the organ transplant your dad received that changed your mind, or did it take a bit longer than that? No, it was the organ transplant. And then for a little while after, I still had this niggly feeling that I was a motorcyclist. And I watched uh, a medical programme, an American medical programme once, about transplants. And it it was an eye transplant. And... This always stuck in my mind when I was younger after seeing it. He says, oh, he says, it's raining outside. We'll get a pair of eyes in a minute. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Um, and it, it's just one of those things. Most, a lot of motorcyclists have certain superstitions, and yeah. that, that was mine, I suppose. John, we're running out of time. How did Dad do after the, uh, the, the transplant? He, he, he didn't do very well. He, right. he was great for three months, and then he got a lymphoma tumour, and... and oh. And that, that was it. I'm sorry to hear that, John, but I really appreciate you uh, coming on and sharing your story with us. 
It's raining outside. We'll get a pair of ice soon. Oh, my dear. 08459 455 555. I can't believe nobody, I can't believe anybody wouldn't, wouldn't sign up to transplant their organs. It makes perfect sense, doesn't it? Right, 716, travel news. Adam Glynn. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. And problems on the M40. London bound, there's a lane closed on the exit slip road at Junction 5, Stoke and Church. It's a broken down vehicle along there. So once you leave the M40 at Junction 5, if you're heading toward London, do expect lane 1 on that exit slip road to be closed. Thankfully, traffic seems to be getting past it reasonably okay. Speed sensors aren't showing a delay being caused by that. The M25, slow in a few spots now from Waltham Abbey to Enfield and into and through the roadworks, junction 26 to 25, and the roadworks continue through to junction 23. Heavy traffic from Kings Langley to Chorley Wood, junction 20 to 18. Then after a little bit where it flows nicely, it slows down again from Maple Cross at junction 17, around to the M4 at junction 15. And the A1 starting to look slow in Boreham Wood as well, near to Stirling Corner. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thanks very much. Right, 7.17, exactly. It's Thursday, the 11th of April. I'm Ian Lee, and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Police in Luton have stepped up patrols overnight in the Lusey Farm area following a fatal shooting. A man's been arrested in connection with the attempted kidnap of a young girl from Milton Keynes. And in sport, Hemel Stag's rugby club want to change venues for their Challenge Cup tie against Super League side Wakefield. The weather today for beds, hearts and bucks, it'll brighten up with sunny spells developing in the afternoon, but also a few heavy and perhaps thundery showers. Maximum temperature is 14 degrees. Coming up, the organisation which represents manufacturers of fire protection systems says it's a postcode lottery as to whether your fire brigade attends in the event of an automatic fire alarm. We'll find out more before 7.30. BBC Three Counties Radio. Every weekday from three, Roberto Peroni with the best local news stories. I get to meet a lot of really interesting people with the most amazing stories. We feel as if we haven't been taken notice of. Yesterday we heard that the bank had gone, but today it's still there. The cat got delivered up in Kabul. You should be back in the UK in two months. With the best local talking points. Do some of the bakers have flapjack fights? No, of course not, Roberto. Well, not in our shops. <laughs> Roberto Peroni, weekdays from three. On B- BBC Three Counties Radio. 08459 four double five five double five. Now, if an automatic fire alarm goes off, then your local fire service may or may not attend, depending on whereabouts in the three counties you are. The organisation, which represents manufacturers of fire protection systems, says it's a postcode lottery. It's calling for a universal approach to attending automatic fire alarms. At the moment, the only brigade outside London to attend all the time, no matter what, with blue lights is Buckinghamshire Fire and Rescue. Hearts Fire and Rescue only attend automatic fire alarms in the case of care homes or hospitals, and Bedfordshire say they don't attend if they're told it's a false alarm. Well, earlier on in the show, I spoke to Graham Ellicott from the Fire Industry Association. I asked him whether people had died because of this. Yes, we believe so. We believe there have been losses, and we believe there are court cases pending at the moment where Fire and Rescue didn't attend for whatever reason, and there have been major losses, but the insurers are loath to, you know, go on the record and say where they are. Well, I'm joined now by Malcolm Brightman, who is a fire safety officer with Bucks Fire and Rescue Service. Morning, Malcolm. Morning, Ian. Why do you attend all automatic fire alarms? Well, several years ago, the Fire Authority 
um, decided they needed a different approach to dealing with false alarms. They've always been a problem. And what they decided to do, instead of just ignoring the problem or not attending, they decided what they would do is employ a dedicated unwanted fire signals officer, which is me, and I go out and see what the problems are um, and, and try and reduce the alarms and make the buildings actually safer for the occupants. And how do you do that? I, I believe you've had great success at Stoke Mandeville. Yes, yeah, certainly have. I'm really by working with the people at Stoke Mandeville. I mean, all hospitals nationally are a problem for fire services. Um, they they have a lot, they're like very large buildings. Stoke Mandeville has over 5,000 detectors. You will always get false alarms. But it's how they manage it is the, is the key to it. So we worked with them to get them to put a, uh, procedures in place so that we wouldn't keep being called. Um, as an example, I think something like six years ago, we were going 150 times a year, and last year we only went eight times. To, to, to Stoke Mandeville specifically? Just Stoke Mandeville, yeah. That's an incredible reduction. Yes, it is. And it's, you know, by working with them, we got them to, to put the right type of detectors in the right locations and get procedures in place so that they can investigate the false alarm activations. And how do you define a false alarm? Is that when t- the, the alarm is, is tripped accidentally or automatically? W- what is it? Well, a false alarm is um, when the automatic system is triggered by something other than fire. So it could be dust, fresh air spray, um, uh, Cook, cooking fumes. Mm. Burnt toast is a real problem in hospitals. And what proportion of total call-outs do, do false alarms represent? I've got to be honest, I don't, I don't actually know, but it's, it's, it's it, probably 50-60%, I would think, false alarms. Wow. It does cost about £350 a call-out, so it is expensive, isn't it, to attend everything? Um, well, the £350 is a, is a figure put together for a, a special service. Mm. For example, some brigades um, following a road traffic accident, they'll wash down the road, but they charge that sort of figure for doing it. Bucks don't do that. And all our attendances to any incident are covered in the annual budget, which is set by the fire authority, so which is included in the council tax. And what do you think about the, the hearts and, and beds who, who don't necessarily attend if it's a false alarm? Do you, do you think, when we heard earlier on from Graham Ellicott from the Fire Industry Association, who thinks that, that people have died as a result of uh, all these automatic alarms not being attended? Um, well, I can't speak for other brigades, but... In Bucks, that doesn't happen. Um, because we attend all incidents, we can then have an influence over the buildings that we attend. Because I do a follow-up, and then I can try and see what the problem is and deal with it. Have you got any uh, examples, uh, uh, Malcolm, of uh, AFAs you've been to, which, if you hadn't attended, things could have turned out quite seriously? Um, off the top of my head, I haven't got any actual examples. Because we, because we attend everything... And then I follow up afterwards. I, I'm not. I can't really answer that question. Okay, listen. I appreciate your time, Malcolm. Thank you very much indeed, Malcolm Brightman, Fire Safety Officer with Bucks Fire and Rescue Service. Well, as you you heard earlier on, Graham Ellicott from the Fire Industry Association says that yes, he believes that people have died as a result of uh, fire brigades not attending what they believe is uh, uh, well an automatic alarm. 08459 oh, 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call on that. Call 08459 oh, 455 555. 08459 oh, 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. So. 
the uh, number of people leaving bits of their body up, organ donation. But a slightly better way of saying bits of your body up for grabs once you're gone. Um, it, it's increased. It's increased significantly. I can't believe, I, I really do think that we should have an opt-out system that it's assumed that if you die bits of your body can be made available to help uh, and save the lives of other people it just makes sense it should be an opt-out you have to tick a box saying no i don't want my bits taken away whereas it's the other way now you have to tick a box saying yeah i don't mind having bits of my body taken away has it happened to you have you needed the uh, an organ donation to help you or a member of your family survive and i'm i'm really keen and i know this is a little bit morbid i'm keen to talk to you if you've had to make that decision about a member of your family that passed away maybe your your mum your dad husband wife your kids and the doctor's come in and said i'm really sorry but we have to make a decision now we got a little kiddie in the, the ward just 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 down the road uh, that needs a heart would you be prepared have you been asked that? I can't even begin to imagine what that's, what that's like. And maybe all of my good intentions would go out of the window in that situation. I'd like to think not, but maybe they would. 08459 455 555. Linda's in Milton Keynes. Good morning, Linda. Good morning, Ian. What, what, what do you think about organ donation? Um, not for me, but my husband was for it. He wanted to leave his um, organs, but unfortunately, at the age of 55, he got really ill. And he decided he had such um, unusual things that he would leave his body to medical research. And um, we had all the forms to fill in. I, I, I was a bit upset, really, but it was his wishes. So, so did, you, did you argue with him when he was alive about this? Um, I said, I can understand if you want to leave um, your organs, you know, for donation. But, of course, he wasn't able to because um, of the illness. And um, he said he would like to leave it to medical research because it may help somebody else, you know. But the thing is, when it goes for medical research, it can be up to two years before they finish with the body to do a cremation. And um, it seems a long time to draw a line under that person's life to me. Did you, did you, has your husband passed away, Linda? Yes, he passed away last July, and he filled all the forms in. Um, I had a copy, the hospital had a copy, and the nurses had a copy. And um, I took him into A&E. Um, he had um, an infection and had to go into A&E. And they said, um, I left that night. They were going to put him onto the ward. Well, at one o'clock in the morning, I had a call to say he wasn't very well. Would I go? And I got there five minutes after he died. Oh, dear. And, um, of course, I came back. Um, and that morning, early morning, I got the paperwork out and I had to do the deed. I had to ring uh, Lester. I rang them and told them what had happened and they got in touch with the hospital and I don't know what happened but they had to reject him. Um, I think the fact was that he wasn't in cold storage. You have to go straight into cold storage right. you know, if you're going for medical research. Did you breathe a slight sigh of relief when they rejected him? Um, not really because it was, it was his one wish yeah. and I didn't know then whether to do a, a burial or a cremation. Mm. You know, I didn't know which he would want but I did a, a green burial so... And Linda, interestingly, you said that, that, that I think that you you don't want to give bits of your body for no. donation. Can I ask why? I just, it just, it's a horrible thought to me. I know I probably will change my mind, but <laughs> it's my eyes that worry me, you know. Isn't that interesting? Lots of people have said yeah. it's, the, it's the eyes that worry them. Yes, I oh. don't mind. I, I think I will 
probably sign up for the rest, but I just feel I don't want to lose my eyes. And, and why? Why the eyes? <laughs> it's, it's odd, isn't it? Because you won't be here, you won't be using them, but... I'm, it... I'm a bit squeamish about eyes. <laughs> <laughs> well, in that case, I can understand. Linda, I, I, I'm sorry for your loss of your husband, and I appreciate you coming on and sharing your story with us. Linda and Milton Keynes. Um, it's, it's in, I was going to say it's funny, but funny is perhaps the wrong word. It's interesting, isn't it, that lots of people are squeamish about the eyes. Listen, when I go, dig in, dig in, help yourself. Got nothing to hide here. Don't know what use it'll be, but, you know, have it. But, but people are a little bit odd about the eyes. And that's the second call we've had about leaving their body for medical research. I hadn't considered that. 08459 four double five five double five. Uh, some texts here. 81333, starting their text 3CR and putting their name on the text. Thank you very much, Joe and Pam. Joe says, whatever I have left when I die, take the lot. Anybody would want an organ to live, so it's only fair to offer ours. And uh, Pam in Dunstable. Here we go, look, there's another one. I've donated my complete body to the University of Cambridge to be used by them in the Human Anatomy Centre. There are so many of you giving your bodies to medical training and medical research. 08459 455 555. Right, travel news now. Adam Glynn. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. I'm afraid we've still got that broken down vehicle on the M40. It's London bound and it's on the exit slip road at Junction 5, Stoke and Church. Traffic seems to be getting past it without too much disruption though. Now on the M25 anti-clockwise there's a lane blocked by a broken down vehicle as well. This is between the M1 at Junction 21 and the A41 at Junction 20. We've also got heavy traffic from Junction 19 at Watford through to 18 at Chorleywood. Then after a little reprieve from 17 at Maple Cross to 15 at the M4. Looking at the trains and nothing running more than a couple of minutes late right now across the three counties. Adam Glenn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Adam. 7.30, time for the news and sport now. Here's Serena Farrow. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. There's an increased police presence in the Lucy Farm area following a fatal shooting and we'll be getting the latest on this situation in Luton as we'll be crossing live to our reporter Justin Dealey straight after this bulletin. In other news, a 62-year-old man's been arrested on suspicion of attempted kidnap of a young girl from Milton Keynes. It's a post-code lottery whether your fire brigade actually attends an automatic fire alarm. The Fire Industry Association is calling for a universal approach. And doctors are hailing a dramatic rise in the number of organ donations as an outstanding achievement that's the news now let's turn to all the morning sport beds hearts and bucks sports bbc three counties radio golf first then in the first major tournament of the season the masters gets underway at augusta today american tiger woods is favorite to win the event but woban based ian poulter's being tipped to repeat his Ryder cup heroics and claim his first major title feel like i'm ready to go out there and, and play some good golf i mean there's there's keys to this golf course which I have to do well and uh, I've done a number of those things well in the past so I need to I need to pull upon those and make sure I'm doing the right things well and limiting any mistakes. 
Away from golf and onto football now, and Barcelona qualified for the semi-finals of the Champions League last night. They beat Paris Saint-Germain and away goals. The scores were tied three all on aggregate. Locally, Milton Keynes Dons will have to check on the fitness of midfielder Stephen Gleeson ahead of Saturday's trip to Leighton Orient. Gleeson was forced off with an ankle injury during the midweek game over Swindon. And Hemel Stags Rugby Club want to change venues for their Challenge Cup tie against Super League side Wakefield. Hemel were draw at home, but the tie will now be paid at the home of the West Yorkshire team on Saturday, April the 20th. BBC Three Counties Radio, more from me at eight. Call 08459 455 555. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. I, I, would, I would find... We're talking about organ donation and digging, guys. Help yourself. But I would find it weird if me or my wife gave up our body for for medical research because I know her dad's a doctor I know what they do to those bodies first of all there's the the kind of dark sense of humor those doctors have but I remember I'm going to say something really gross now so I'm, I'm going to phrase it as sensitive as I can I remember having a conversation uh, waiting for an airplane from Greece with my father-in-law who's a cardiologist and uh, I, I said did you ever when you were trying to be a doctor did you ever get squeamish about bodies he went no no first thing we did I'm going to say something gross here First thing we did, day one, we got a dead body, we, we cut open its head with a saw. Yeah, I know, the reaction that, that my team have just made was exactly what I did. Oh! And I guess they do, but to think that my wife, if my wife gave up a body for medical research, think my wife was somewhere in a room with loads of trainee doctors, we all know I've got a sick sense of humour, having that done to her, I won't, I won't put the image in your head again, would make me feel a little bit odd. 08459 four double five five double five. Other things we're talking about this morning. Some, uh, um, well, some very weighty and some a little bit uh, frothier. One of the weighty stories: a murder inquiry is underway after a man was shot dead outside a house in Luton. Reporter Justin Dealey is in the town this morning and is beginning your reaction to the news. And the latest figures for Marks and Spencers are out. Clothes sales are down. Why do you think fewer people are shopping there? Why have you stopped? Well, I'll be speaking to Hertfordshire retail expert Clay Rayner, uh, Claire Rayner uh, to find out why. She used to work there, so she can give us the inside information. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR, or you can give me a call 08459 455555. Police in Luton say they are determined to make the town a safer place despite another shooting. A murder inquiry is underway after a man was shot dead outside a house on the Lucy Farm estate yesterday. It's the ninth reported violent crime involving guns in the town this year. Well, this morning, our reporter, Justin Dealey, is in Luton. Good morning, Justin. Yes, hello, Ian. Justin, what's the general feeling like in the town this morning? I mean, clearly, very, very upsetting for the people in Luton. I've been talking to those people about gun crime and, and just how concerned they are after this latest shooting, and this is what people have had to say. Well, I think it's... Um you know it's not acceptable nobody is allowed to you know take guns in the street and uh, you know they can kill people it's it's a matter for people's life they shouldn't be allowed to you know take the guns out in their hands this is a, a question i might not get an honest answer from but but do you know of people here in Luton that have got guns have you seen guns here in Luton? i haven't seen but i have heard that you know some some people saying that they got guns and Everybody is like they putting their pictures on the Facebook and showing them they got guns. But I mean, do you think these people are just saying that, or do you think they genuinely have guns here in Luton? Most, mostly, I think that they just 
did they just pretending they don't got the guns? Yeah. But but even to pretend that concerns you greatly. Yeah. Well, it, it is it is frightening. It is frightening, especially when you got grandchildren of teenage years and growing up, and you, it's just not nice, is it? Jenny, gun crime in Lucent, is that a major concern to yourself living here in the town? Um, no, I don't think so. There's not enough in Luton to make it a concern to me. So it's just like any other town across the country? Yeah, I, don't, I think in England, across the board, it's not a huge issue compared to other countries. Barbara, gun crime here in Lucent, is that a major concern to you? Yeah, like what I'm saying from a Christian perspective, of course it is a major concern because we would want to see a difference. We want to see people live in peace. We want to see li- people live in harmony. So obviously it would be a concern. It would be a concern. In fact, I'm actually surprised that there's been there's been a shooting because we we as a church, as a community, we are all praying. We we've even come to a point where we even arranged a uh, where my church rather they did arrange a conference as a community event to to pray for for Luton, to pray for you know for the gun culture, for it to you know to change. You say that you've had these conferences. You're trying to help people. You're praying for people. So mm-hmm. you must be very upset about the latest shooting here in Luton. Yeah, obviously, this is why I'm saying I'm actually cons- I'm actually shocked that there has been yet another, because for me, the Luton is my that's my hometown, and I love it to bits. And this is a, a, my choice, my my place of choice of yeah. you know to live to work. So obviously this would be upsetting because it's yet another dent on the on the the image of Luton. Now, Justin, I just want to say I don't want to be one of those radio shows that whips everybody into a yeah. frenzy of fear and terror. The police do say uh, that that uh, violent gun crime is down in Luton. Yep. So I don't want people to I don't want us to be stirring it. But um, you know, people are upset. We've, we've got a comment on the Facebook page from Lena. Um, uh, I've lived in Lucy Farm all my life. It's a dump now. Not a two-minute walk from the murder yesterday was um, something about an abduction. I'm not sure what that's about, so I don't go into that. Uh, and um, another shooting. The area is full of drunks and drug dealers. Very sad to hear that. I mean, you've obviously heard some views again. We've got to be careful this morning, not not to whip this up. But but Jenny was saying in that piece that that there's not enough going crime in the town to concern her well that's the ninth reported violent crime involving guns in the town this year alone and you heard there from Barbara at the end she absolutely loves Luton as far as I'm concerned as well I've worked in Luton for years I support the football team I think Luton's a cracking town but but according to Barbara again there it brings Luton back into the news all for the wrong reasons Ian. Justin do you um do you support Luton Town Football Club? Yes, I do. You've, do never, me- you've never mentioned that on air before. <laughs> but do you know what I mean? I'm just saying that, that in terms of the town itself, everyone very, very quick to knock loose. And I'm sure that, you know, again, I could be wrong by saying this, but if there was a shooting somewhere else, uh, for example, that let's just pick a name at random in Watford. Yes, it would get reported. Of course it would get reported. But certainly if a gun crime happens in Luton, it's bound to make the news, not just on our radio station, but, but in the national paper as well to, to Lutonians it certainly feels that everybody again Here we is go. picking on Luton Here we go Luton has got um, let's be honest for, for a lot of the country Luton has got a pretty rotten image hasn't it it's, it it's has, got a pretty yes. grimy image and I've worked in Luton now for I don't know six, seven months and I, I, I can see that image is totally is pretty much misplaced 
Yes. What can we? Do, what can be done, Justin, to change the image of Luton to the rest of the country? I think it's probably a question for our listeners this morning because I think it's very, very tough to to try and change that image. But yeah. but most people, and again, let's look at the facts here. Most people who come out and have a go at Luton have never been to the town. They yeah. do not deserve that opinion. You'll hear some more opinions later on. People saying to me, "Look, this is not just a Luton thing. This could happen absolutely anywhere." And again, people are picking on Luton just because of the name. Justin, thank you very much indeed. Well, let's put that out to you. Luton has got, uh, uh, sorry to break the news to you, it's got a pretty grimy image to people outside of Luton. And I've worked here for a long time and I know, long time, seven months, nothing really, in the great scheme of things, I know that that image is incorrect. Luton's got some great things about it. It's got some rubbish things about it. Of course it has. Every town has. It's got some great things about it. How would you change the image, the perception of Luton? 08459 455 555. Do you think it's possible? What would you do to try and promote a better image of Luton? Or do you think it's beyond that? That it just can't be done? It's gone too far. 08459 455 555. What would you do to give Luton a better image? This is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Okay, now, yesterday we were... The last few days, obviously, we've been discussing Margaret Thatcher's passing. And uh, I I brought up what I thought was a fact, that uh, Margaret Thatcher invented, or at least was part of the team that invented... Mr. Whippies, the soft, you know, the soft ice cream you get from the machines when the, the, on the, the, the uh, milk, well, not milk floats, ice cream bags, that's what they're called, isn't it? Yes. Well, someone denied it, and then someone sent me a link yesterday that kind of proved it. Well, Esther's in Luton. Good morning, Esther. Hi, good morning. Did Margaret Thatcher invent, or was at least part of the team that invented Mr. Whippies? Not that I know of. Oh. Um, Margaret Thatcher, amongst a lot of her colleagues, when she was a scientist, invented or came up with a soft serve ice cream. Right. Mr. Whippy was around a long time before that. Oh, okay, right, okay. So we'll just, we'll just let, let's get this chronologically correct. So Mr. Whippy was around driving his little vans. Why is he called Mr. Whippy? It's not, you know, he sells no stuff idea. to children. It's an odd choice. Anyway, so Mr. Whippy was around just selling normal ice cream. Then Margaret Thatcher, in perhaps her greatest achievement, let's, let's say she did it on her own, developed that, that wonderful ice cream that comes from the machines, and Mr. Whippy then adopted that. All I know is that uh, Margaret Thatcher with her colleagues, she was a scientist before she became a politician, and she'd want a prime minister. Now, all I know is that she was in the minds of people who invented the soft serve, but not linked with Mr Whippy. That's all I know. So I've got to ask you the question, Mm. how on earth do you know so much about Mr Whippy? Because my cousin brought it. He lives in New Zealand. Whoa, whoa, hang on a second. When you say say your cousin bought Mm. Mr Whippy, do you mean... He bought the van. He bought the chain. Wowzers! You must be, you guys must be quids in! Well, not me, but he's in New Zealand, so he's um, on the um, food side of BP, so he's willing with the money. But being abroad, obviously not in Britain, you're going to be, aren't you? Hang on a second. When, when, when he bought Mr Whippy, I, mm. I'm, I'm sorry, sorry to steal this from you, uh, Jonathan, but this sound must have gone off in his head. <laughs> <laughs> How he is he is he worth a few quid, your brother? My cousin, yeah. Your cousin, sorry, he's worth a few yeah. quid. And, oh yeah. And, and, and what what do you get for Christmas from him? Do you get 
like ice cream or, or 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 is he a little bit more imaginative than that no we don't because it, it's it's his stuff you know oh. it, it's his life and he's over there we are going to go and see him eventually i mean we're looking at going over in a couple of years oh fantastic yeah, he's got some lovely kids who like their ice cream uh, yeah i bet they do. do do you get given i know that um that that's that the boss of nando's has mm. the uh, the power to give out the black nando's card i had one for a year mm. uh well basically it means you get you get free nando's do you, have you got like a black whippy card <laughs> no. Oh, that's a shame. That's a shame. Uh, Esther, I appreciate that. Thank you very much indeed. Her cousin bought Mr. Whippy. Well, who owns Mr. Softy? There were um, the ice cream wars, of course, big ice cream wars in the 70s. I believe it still goes on a little bit in some places. Uh, the ice cream wars where um, rival gangs of uh, uh, ice cream floats um, kind of meet up and have battles over turf and things like that. But so she didn't, Margaret Thatcher didn't invent, invent Mr Whippy, but she was part of the team that developed the ice cream that Mr Whippy now uses. That wasn't mentioned in uh, the Houses of Parliament yesterday when they were doing their tributes to her. Uh, Glenda Jackson, you could have mentioned that, couldn't you, Jackson? Uh, I know you, you didn't like her as a, as a Prime Minister, you didn't like her politics. She gave us the soft ice cream. You should have mentioned that, Jackson. You got a bit more support in the right-wing press this morning. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. I do like the way this this show, you know, we set up what we're going to talk about, and then something completely random, like the cousin of Mister Whippy, phones up just to drop a whippy bomb live on the show. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Right, travel news now. Adam Glynn. Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. The A5 Mark 8, we've got reports of an overturned vehicle near to the junction with Luton Road, the B4540. Traffic seems to be moving okay on the sensors so far this morning, but we are awaiting further updates on that, so that's one that if you're in the area, please do give us a call. 08459 555 M40 London bound still lane closed on the exit slip at junction 5 for Stoke and Church because of a broken down vehicle it's lane 1 on that slip road that's closed but traffic's squeezing past that without too much of a problem got a bit of a queue on the M25 building because of a broken down vehicle between junction 21 at the M1 and 20 for the A41 at Kings Langley so that's blocking off one lane there and it's looking slow heavy once you get beyond there as well through from Watford to Chorleywood and from Maple Cross to the M4. Trains, meanwhile, still looking pretty good. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Adam. So just picture the scene. I've got an idea for a business. Yeah, what's it? I'm going to sell ice cream to kids. Oh, that's a great idea. What are you going to call it? Mr Whippy. Yeah. Right, 7.45. It's Thursday, the 11th of April. I'm Ian Lee, and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. After a murder inquiry has been launched in Luton, there's now an increased police presence in the Lusey Farm area. A 62-year-old man has been arrested on suspicion of attempted kidnap of a young girl from Milton Keynes. And in sport, Milton Keynes Dons will check on the fitness of Stephen Gleeson ahead of this weekend's game against Leighton Orient. Coming up before 8 o'clock, the latest figures for weather uh, for Marks and Spencer are out. You see, they put you type something on a screen and I'm going to read it. And there's a message on my screen saying, no weather, go straight to trail. And I glimpsed at that, and instead of saying Mark Spencer, I said weather. It's my fault, I'm an idiot. There's nothing to do with you. It's, it's the way my ridiculous brain doesn't work.
coming up, the latest figure for Marks and Spencer are out. Clothes sales are down. Well, why do you think fewer people are shopping there? I'll be speaking to Hertfordshire retail expert Claire Rayner. She used to work there. Well, the weather today for beds, hearts and bucks, it'll brighten up with sunny spells developing in the afternoon, but also a few heavy and perhaps thundery showers. Maximum temperature is 14 degrees. I don't think anyone noticed. Every weekday morning from nine. The JVS Show. With the biggest questions. Today on the big phone-in, I'm asking, would you support some dog breeds being removed from this country? Should traffic wardens be more lenient? Would the government be right to drop the minimum price for alcohol? And the biggest opinions. I think the tax is completely unfair. It doesn't matter how old they are or how young they are. They're still your children. It doesn't matter whether it's male or female or what. I'm disgusted with the people that... You should have cut them people off. The JVS Show. Weekdays from nine. On BBC Three Counties Radio. When did you last buy your clothes from Marks and Spencers? Turns out I buy a, fa- a, a bit. I get my shirts there because they do an extra um, two inches on the sleeve and I need a two inches, an extra two inches. Uh, I bought a coat there in a sale. I buy my pants there. It's not really going to keep them afloat. Well, the retailer has announced its latest sales figures this morning. UK food sales were 4% higher than a year ago. But general merchandising, which includes the sale of clothing, was down by 3.8%. Claire Rayner is a retail expert from Hertfordshire. And you used to work at Marx's, did you, Claire? I did, quite a long time ago now, though, in 1995. Did that? My, my mum used to work at Marx's years ago, probably before that. And <laughs> they used to have the best um, uh, conditions for their workers. They used to have a hairdresser that worked there. Yeah, at head office where I worked, we had hairdressers, banks, staff shop, you name it. Physiotherapy on site, anything you could dream of. And it really was the phenomenal corporate headquarters that... Uh, They've, they've moved premises since then, and things aren't quite the same these days as back then. What's going wrong with Marks & Spencer's? Clothing uh, sales or general merchandising, including clothing, is down 3.8%. Mm. Yeah, I, I'm really not that surprised, to be honest. It's sad, and it's always a shame to sort of talk ill of a British institution like M&S, but they th- seem to have lost their way. If you look at what they've done with food, it's absolutely brilliant. They've got the proposition right, they attract a higher spending customer, a more professional customer, perhaps someone who's cash rich, time poor, which is perfect, but their closing proposition really doesn't appeal to that type of, of uh, spender. So unfortunately, they're stuck with a consumer group who perhaps 10, 15 years ago spent quite a lot. And they're, they're either dying out very literally, or b- becoming quite elderly and unable to get to the store. And I, I think of my own grandmother in this. Mm. 20, 30 years ago, she would have spent hundreds in M&S. All her clothes, all her friends were the same. But now, she, she, you know, she's a very elderly woman and that won't happen. And I'm not sure they're attracting more of the same because we hear 60s, the new 40. People stay younger for longer. And unfortunately, I don't think their product range has kept in touch with the people that they're trying to sell to. You're right. My mum would have, would have bought all her clothes from there. She still buys bits and pieces mm-hmm. from there. But is it Marks and Spencer's fault or is it the, just the, the competition, the fact that there are yeah. so many more stores on the high street now? It can only be their fault because they're masters of their own destiny. They decide the products they sell, they decide the customer target groups they aim for, and they have to be aware of the competition. Back in the 90s, we would do what we called competition shopping. We'd go out on Oxford Street, we'd research every single type of product that was available that competed with ours. We'd look at prices, we'd look at quality, and we'd bring all those ideas back to head office and decide on the products that we'd go for that would satisfy our core customer. And I think they're trying to 
explore things to all people. I don't know a teenager alive that would want to no. sort of shop there, and yet they've got teenage range, and they've got such complexity. If you walk through one of the bigger stores, there's this brand and that brand and the other brand, and it's just incredibly confusing to someone. Yeah, the tide turned, I think, when they introduced the Pier Una range. Just because then it suddenly yeah. became a bit confusing. It was like there was a, a concession stand inside Marks and Spencers. Well, actually, in the very beginning, it did extremely well because it added a bit of uh, creativity and flair to what was quite a starchy, more smart and tailored proposition. And, and that led to them introducing more and more of that type of thing. Now I think they've gone a bit too far because they have autographs and they have Blue Harbour and they have collection. I'm not going to buy. I'm not going to buy a suit because Jimmy Carr's advertising. It's <laughs> well, it's quite. not going to work for me. Well, quite, and I think that that's another issue. I mean, I read a fantastic article by a lady um, yesterday, just one of their loyal customers who'd got her article featured in the national press, and she was commenting on how they should bring back Twiggy. Real women in their advertising looked uncomfortable, and actually, people wanted to aspire to be more like Twiggy. And she she was commenting on their advertising and their proposition and their service as well. And I think that service used to be, I certainly remember in my days of working there, we were at least as good at service as John Lewis. And now, of course, John Lewis is held up as the mm. ultimate in the ability to give great service. MLS is kind of just ignorable. And I think that was something that made people incredibly loyal because you were guaranteed exceptional service. Marks and Spencer's has always been a little bit slow to, to modernise and change. Was it, was it the 90s, the mid-90s, when they finally relented and accepted credit cards? Yes, that's right. In fact, that was a little after I left. I think it was heading towards the 2000s. Really? That late? <laughs> yeah. Up, up until then, it was m and store cards. But then, if you take uh, John Lewis, they've also certainly not been quick to modernise. They're not a trendy store, but their figures show that they're doing incredibly well. They've got the core customer understood, and they're delivering exactly what the customer needs. And, and I think that structurally, M&S are brilliant. They've got everything they need in place for the online proposition. For a long time now, they've offered the ability to order from the store, deliver to the home, deliver to the store, and so on. So they do have the ability to give great service. It's just, I don't think they're getting that across, and the product isn't quite right right enough food sales are up and i love their food it's a little bit pricey for me i'll, I'll, I'll get sandwiches from there and maybe once a month we might have a little treat and do a shop in, in, in marx's but it's it, it, should they just concentrate on food I think if you look at that they've got in terms of their store estate, they've got probably over 500 stores now, but maybe higher than that. And not all of those include a food format. To actually transition from the significant amount of retail real estate that they've got allocated over to clothing, homeware, gift, and so on, to take that to food would mean that they would struggle to make the money that they need to make. Because whilst their food is doing well, it's only a very small proportion of the total amount of space they own. And they would have to grow their sales maybe five times in food in order to make up the difference. So in a way, it's a little unfair to compare food to general merchandise, because if you look at the size of your average store, how much of a store is given to food compared to everything else they sell, and imagine how much more food they'd have to sell. They'd have to be competing with the likes of the big four supermarkets. Mm. And Claire, what was the last thing, item of clothing that you bought from Marks and Spencers? Well, I, I had a quick look online last night, actually, in anticipation of this question, and I looked at 262 dresses in their current dresses range. And I'm, I've been a fan of their dresses. There was one I could have bought had I have wanted to because it was the right look and something I would wear. 
So I haven't bought anything for quite a long time. But then it's my duty to support my independent retail as well. So you can't blame me for that. <laughs> Claire, thank you very much indeed. Claire Rayner, retail expert from Hertfordshire, used to work at Marks and Spencers. It was close to the 2000s when they finally accepted credit cards. That's incredible. Well, what do you think? When was the last time you went to Marks and Spencers? And, uh, and what did you buy? 08459 455 555. Trevor's in Aylesbury. Trevor, when, when did you last buy some clothing from M&S? Um... Probably about three months ago, I think. And what was it? Pants? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> we, we all get our pants from m I was brought up by my mum to get my pants from M&S. Yep, yeah. Yeah, always, always go in there. What do you think is... What do you think of the men's clothes in there? Because I don't... Apart from their white shirts, I don't think the clothes are, are, are that attractive. No, I haven't... That's the only thing I've bought in there. I haven't bought anything else. I think that's what they need to do, is probably get a few more lines in and, and have a refurb on the stores. The stores have looked the same for years now. Mm. And it's not, you know... I mean, Christmas used to be great. You used to go in there for Christmas stuff and that. But last year, I noticed I walked in and walked back out again. It just didn't have the same, you know, as they, as they, that they used to have, like, years ago. Do you think they can turn it around, Trevor? It, it seems... I know they had a little kind of selling spurt a couple of years ago, but it just seems that every year, or every six months, we're hearing M&S is doing worse and worse. Can they turn it around? Well, hopefully, yeah, because we don't want another Woolworths, you know, what happened to them. I mean, that used to be a great store as well. And the other one at BHS, that's... That, well, the last time I popped in there, again, I walked in and walked back out again. It hang was like walking into one of these pop-up clothes shops. Hang on a second. Is, is British Home Store still going? Yeah. Is it? Yeah, just about. I, I thought that went the way of CNA. No, it's still there. Oh. Still there, but it does look like one of these pop-up shops that someone's taken over and yeah. closed down store. It's not very inviting when you walk in now. It's, it's you know, they do need a, a facelift, really. Trevor, I appreciate that. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. I thought BHS had gone years ago. British Home Stores. We used to like the one. You want to grow up in Slough? We used to like the one in Slough. <laughs> this is how things were in the seventies. All right with your, your Nintendo 3DSs and your Xbox 360s. We used to like the British home stores in Slough because it had a lighting department with lots of lights. Yeah, I know. And it had a range of doorbells. And we would spend hours as kids playing with the doorbells in British home stores. That's what life was like in the 70s. you think you got it tough now? Yeah, you imagine that. Uh, on Facebook, you've been talking uh, about M&S. Lisa says, their clothes are too garish, poorly fitting, and compared with most other similar types of shops, too expensive. I got Marks & Spencer's gift voucher for Christmas two years ago and have still not been able to find anything worth spending it on. Well, I, I, Lisa, I would check the date if I were you. Those gift vouchers quite often um, have a best before date. Julie says, it's just that their clothes, being better quality, are more expensive. And these days, people have to sacrifice quality for cheapness. When the likes of Asda and Tesco, etc., are selling bog-standard clothing at low prices, why would people then decide to make a special trip to an M&S store to pay three times as much? 08459 455 555. Let's, let, let, let's find out. What was the last item of clothing you bought in Marks & Spencer's? What was it? Last one was uh, a coat I bought two months ago because it was in the sale. I wouldn't have paid full price for it. I think, I think it was 60 quid and I think it was, it was like a third of the price. It would have been about 180 quid, something like that. Something like that. So it was a bargain. Wouldn't have paid full price for it. Too expensive. Doesn't quite fit, but if I walk quickly, you don't notice. So I'll get away with it. Then the woman in the shop wouldn't, wouldn't let me go. I was buying it. I was on the way to a very important meeting. 
the woman in the shop wouldn't let me go. Oh, go, go on, try it on for me. I said, well, you, you know what? No, I'm not. Go on, try it on for me. I had to try it on for her and model it. She made me walk up and down in the shop wearing a coat, and I'm thinking I'm going to be late for a meeting. What was the last thing you bought at Marks and Spencers? Right, travel news now. Here's Adam Flynn. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Incidentally, last thing I bought in M&S was a pair of jeans that were down to £10 in the sale. So Do you get your pants from there, Adam? Um, I have done in the past. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. I get mine there. Good, no, good exactly. pants. Best pants. Right, away you go. Fair enough. A5 round Markgate. We've still got these reports of an overturned vehicle near to the junction with Luton Road, though we haven't had any further updates on it. We had one call. If anyone else is in the area and can see exactly what's going on, please do call us. 08459 The A1M busy southbound. Heavy traffic between Junction 8 at Hitchin and 7 at Stevenage. Good news for the M40 because London bound that broken down vehicle's been removed from the exit slip at Junction 5 Stoke and Church and all lanes have now reopened on the M25 as well. The broken down vehicle between the M1 and the A41 is gone from the anti-clockwise carriageway. Bit of a queue though from Junction 20 through to 16 at the M40 and clockwise now looking busy into the roadworks at the A1M. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much Adam. Lots coming up in the final hour of the show. The first is the news and sport with Serena. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning, the headlines. Strong police presence in Luton following shooting. Man arrested in connection with an attempted kidnap of a Milton Keynes girl. And it's postcode lottery when it comes to automatic fire alarms. BBC Three Counties Radio. Police in Luton have stepped up patrols overnight in the Lucy Farm area following a fatal shooting. A 46-year-old man died at the Luton and Dunstable Hospital after being shot outside a house in Brunel Road just before midnight on Tuesday. Police, though, aren't ruling out a link to the death of 19-year-old Delaney. Brown, who died when a car hit his bike. Sandra Glenn from the Independent Advisory Group on Beds Police says the community is still in shock. Complete dismay, shock, um, disbelief. They had expected something to happen in all honesty, but didn't think it would be this huge and, and this impactive because we had a bit of a calm since the, um, the recent incidents that have been going on around shootings in Luton. And we'll be getting the latest on this situation as we'll be crossing live to our reporter Justin Dealey straight after this bulletin here on BBC Three Counties Radio. Turning to other news, a man's been arrested in connection with the attempted kidnap of a young girl from Milton Keynes whilst on holiday. The 62-year-old was arrested in London last night after a public appeal. The family were in the Canary Islands in Lanzarote when the alleged incident took place in January last year. Now, it's a postcode lottery, whether your fire brigade actually attends an automatic fire alarm. The Fire Industry Association is the organisation which represents manufacturers of fire protection systems. Well, it's calling for a universal approach, because at the moment, the only brigade outside of London to attend all the time is Buckinghamshire Fire and Rescue. Malcolm Brightman is a fire safety officer with the local service. What they decided to do, instead of just ignoring the problem or not attending... They decided what they would do is employ a dedicated unwanted fire signals officer, which is me, and I go out and see what the problems are um, and, and try and reduce the alarms and make the buildings actually safer for the occupants. 
Doctors are thanking specialist nurses for the rise in the number of organ donations as an outstanding achievement. The NHS says it's met a target set five years ago to increase the amount of people donating after death by 50%. A woman's been attacked by burglars who broke into her home in Dunstable. They made off with thousands of pounds worth of jewellery. Carol Abercrombie has the details. The three men broke into the 68-year-old's home at Sugden Court in Princess Street shortly after 8 o'clock on Tuesday morning. They dragged her from the bathroom into the bedroom where they threatened her with a tyre iron before stealing the jewellery she was wearing and other items from the property. All three offenders were white in their early 20s and wearing dark clothing. The man who stole the jewellery the victim was wearing was around six feet tall. Detectives want to speak to anyone who may have seen something suspicious in the area at the time. Football now. Milton Keynes Dons will check on the fitness of midfielder Stephen Gleeson ahead of Saturday's trip to Leighton Orient. It comes as Gleeson was forced off with an ankle injury during the midweek game over Swindon. Weather then, and it will brighten up eventually. We're going to see temperatures, ooh, double figures, 14 degrees Celsius, that's 57 in Fahrenheit. There's more news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. BBC Three Counties Radio, first for news. <laughs> This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Coming up in about 13 minutes' time, I'll be asking Jonathan Vernon-Smith where he gets his pants from. But before then, lots of stuff, some of it quite serious. I know you'd like to have your say on, including a murder inquiry is underway after a man was shot dead outside a house in Luton. How concerned are you about gun crime? We'll hear from the police and from Justin Dealey, who spent the morning in the town. Now, if an automatic fire alarm goes off, then your fire service may or may not turn up. It depends where you are in beds, hearts and bucks. We'll find out why Buckinghamshire Fire and Rescue is the only service outside of London which will go to them all. And Marks and Spencers, the latest figures for the store are out and clothes sales are down. What was the last thing you bought from there? Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Or, look, all of the lines are free. Well, normally a good time to call at the top of the hour if you want to come on the show. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Police in Luton say they are determined to make the town a safer place despite another shooting. A murder inquiry is underway after a man was shot dead outside a house on the Lucy Farm estate yesterday. It's the ninth reported violent crime involving guns in the town this year. Our reporter, Tony Fisher, has been speaking to Chief Superintendent Mark Turner from Beds Police. It's too early to speculate what we know about the victim. Uh, clearly we have details of who the victim is, but I just wouldn't want to go into the details of what links there may be. That would be entirely wrong for me to do so at such an early stage. But he was shot several times, is that right? Again, I can't tell you that, I'm afraid. Are there any links to the Delaney Brown murder? I wouldn't want to make any links at this stage. Again, that's not the right thing for me to do just some hours after the incidents occurred. The full team of investigating officers, and we have a lot of investigating officers, will get to the bottom of it, leave no stone unturned, and uh, we'll find out. So far too early to make any speculation. But the timing of it, just uh, a few weeks ahead of the Delaney, Delaney Brown murder trial, it, it's, not, it's particularly apposite, isn't it? 
yeah, again, that's speculation, I've got to say, because until we can find out exactly what any motivation is or what drives people to do these things, it'd be wrong to say. So people could jump to that as a conclusion. I think that'd be the wrong one. I think the entirely right way to go about this is let the detectives do their job and get to the bottom. But the information out there on social media is that this was the uncle of Delaney Brown. Yeah, I can't control social media, unfortunately. What I can do is plead to the public, who will know what's going on. Some people living within that vicinity will know what's going on. And I'd dearly love them to come forward and help us solve this crime. It's a terrible, terrible incident. Uh, you know, some, a, a person's life has been taken. That's the most serious of crimes. It's absolutely imperative that we at Bedfordshire Police get on top of this and then work with our partners, Luton Borough Council and others, to make sure that Luton becomes a safer place. The community seemed quite shocked. I mean, they didn't see this coming. I mean, sometimes, you know, there is a bit of uh, anxiety, tension in the air, but this seems uh, out of the blue. I think for a community the size of Luton, actually, community tensions are actually very, very good. There's always going to be some fractions within that community. Uh, but this was an unexpected event. Clearly it was an unexpected event, and we'll do everything we can to, to get to the bottom of it. Mm. Can we say at all if this is gang-related? Far, far too early to say that. I always try and avoid any speculation about gangs because I think we don't fully understand all of those issues. I think people may speculate around this. Uh, I, you know, I think what we can say is a life has been taken and we're getting to the bottom of that and we will get to the bottom of it. Is, can we say, was this a black-on-black shooting? Again, you know, far too early to say that. It simply would be wrong for me to kind of stand here and give you those details. The major crime unit are carrying out the full investigation. They're the right people to do that, and we will get to the bottom of it. But these things always take time, and we need the help of the public out there to help us solve it. What does this say about Luton, finally, another, another shooting? Well, it may be another shooting, but I think Luton is uh, generally a very safe place to be living in and a well-policed place with members of the public who really live side by side in some difficult conditions. And, uh, you know, that's, that's what it says about Luton. These things are challenging, but these things do happen in towns and cities the size of Luton. And you're looking at a white transit van and a BMW? white transit van was seen speeding away from the scene. Uh, we have recovered a Vauxhall Corsa, we have recovered a BMW. So any sightings of those absolutely key. Anyone who's got any information within that Brunel Road area around about that time must come forward and help us. Sorry, what time was it? Uh, I believe it was ten to around about 10 to midnight or maybe a little bit later than that. Well, a very persistent Tony Fisher there speaking to Chief Superintendent Mark Turner from Beds Police. Our reporter, Justin Dealey, has been in Luton this morning. He's been asking, how safe do you feel living in Luton in light of this latest incident? J- Justin, what are people saying out there? Well, you heard the views there of Mark Turner saying that, that Luton is a great town, it's a safe town, but of course what we can't get away from the facts, Ian, this is the ninth reported violent crime involving guns in the town this year alone. I've been talking to people in Luton about gun crime and, and just how concerned they are after the latest shooting. Well, I think it's, um, you know, it's not acceptable. Nobody is allowed to, you know, take guns in the street and, uh, you know, they can kill people. It's, it's a matter of people's life. They shouldn't be allowed to, you know, take the guns out in their hands. This is a, a question I might not get an honest answer from, but, but do you know of people here in Luton that have got guns? Have you seen guns here in Luton? I haven't seen, but I have heard that, you know, some, some people saying that they got guns and... Everybody is like they're putting their pictures on the Facebook and showing them they got guns. But I mean, do you think people, these people are just saying that, or do you think they genuinely have guns here in Luton? Most, mostly, I think that they just they just pretending they don't got the guns. Yeah. But 
But even to pretend, that concerns you greatly? Yeah. Well, it, it, is, it is frightening. It is frightening, especially when you've got grandchildren of teenage years and growing up, and you, it's just not nice, is it? Jenny, gun crime in Lucen, is that a major concern to yourself living here in the town? Um, no, I don't think so. There's not enough in Luton to make it a concern to me. So it's just like any other town across the country? Yeah, I, don't, I think in England, across the board, it's not a huge issue compared to other countries. Barbara, gun crime here in Lucen, is that a major concern to you? Yeah, like what I'm saying from a Christian perspective, of course it is a major concern because we'd want to see a difference. We want to see people live in peace. We want to see li- people live in harmony. So obviously it would be a concern. It would be a concern. In fact, I'm actually surprised that there's been there's been a shooting because we we as a church, as a community, we are all praying. We we've even come to a point where we even arranged a uh, where my church rather they did arrange a conference as a community event to to pray for for Luton, to pray for you know for the gun culture, for it to you know to change. You say that you've had these conferences. You're trying to help people. You're praying for people. So mm-hmm. you must be very upset about the latest shooting here in Luton. Yeah, obviously, this is why I'm saying I'm actually cons- I'm actually shocked that there has been yet another, because for me, the Luton is my that's my hometown, and I love it to bits. And this is a, a, my choice, my my place of choice of yeah. you know to live to work. So obviously this would be upsetting because it's yet another dent on the on the the image of Luton. Well, Justin, earlier on we uh, asked. Um, oh, Justin, are you still there? I'm still oh, here. Sorry, yes. this was very quiet. We we asked people uh, to, to call in with their suggestions on how to improve the image of Luton. I, I, I'll be honest, the phones haven't um, been on fire this mm. morning in regards to that. E- either it's beyond hope in their opinion, or they think maybe the, the image is all right. Actually, I'm sure that somebody is going to phone you at some point between now and nine on on their views on, on how to improve the image. But as I mentioned earlier on, Ian, people very very quick to knock Luton nine times out of 10 those people that are having a go at Luton have never been to the town in their life uh, they don't deserve to get their views out there if they've not even been to the town but but of course a lot of people now when you mention that name Luton I speak to some people when they go abroad on holiday for example they meet people for the first time and they say they're from Luton and they say to me you can see that person's face and it turns straight away which I think is just such a shame because Luton as far as I'm concerned is a great town yes again we're talking about a bad story here but again, is Luton really any different to any other town up and down the country? Probably we a, not. We've got a text from uh, Yender in Sundon. I've lived in Luton for, for nine years. I love the town. It's got terrific amenities and wonderful people. People who live here understand this town with all its difficulties in a way that people outside who criticise us don't. Yes, the shootings are terrible, but not representative of Luton. Absolutely. And again, you'll hear some more views later on from people saying, well, you know, it's like any other town. And they certainly love living in Luton. Some people, of course, want to move out of Luton, but again, you could say that about any town, but if you speak to anybody who's lived in Luton for years, again, they're very, very passionate about the town, and they feel the publicity again today, and we'll see it throughout the day. It is not a true reflection on the town of Luton. Justin Daly, uh, reporting from Luton. Thank you very much indeed. I'll ask you the question. Listen, I'll, I'll be honest, Luton doesn't have a particularly great image outside of Luton. What would you do to improve the image of Luton. What could you do? Is there anything you can do? Or is it beyond hope as far as you're concerned? Give me a call. 08459 455 555. What do you think could be done to improve the image of Luton? Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Or you can send me a text 81333. Start your text 3CR. Very, very quick run through the front pages. A lot of it's about Thatcher, of course. 
Are we going on a little bit too much about Thatcher? I feel it's a little bit overkill. We get the point, you know. Uh, the Guardian, discord amid, amid the tributes as Thatcher is honoured. Um, uh, the Daily Telegraph, Tories come to praise their Bodicea in pearls. And there's Mark Thatcher uh, stood outside her house. The Independent, Margaret Thatcher, Parliament takes its leave. The Times, Thatcher to blame for British split on Europe. The Daily Mail, teachers of hatred revealed the drama mistress and the teacher from Miliband School behind the Maggie death parties. Two teachers are today unmasked as key architects of the vile Thatcher death parties. One is employed at Labour leader Ed Miliband's old school. What's that got to do with anything? What's that got to do with anything? The Daily Express. Outrage over anarchists' plan to wreck Maggie's uh, funeral, but they give bigger uh, uh, slice of the front page to five million could get a pension windfall. And the Sun. Spot the lefty. 150 MP snub Commons Maggie tribute. And it's their right because we live in a democratic country. And it's wonderful they weren't forced to turn up. And it's wonderful that people like Glenda Jackson, whatever you think about what she said, it's wonderful she has the freedom to say that. If you missed it, fascinating bit of uh, uh, performance in uh, the Houses of Parliament yesterday from Glenda Jackson and then the aftermath as a gentleman criticises her and uh, the speaker says no no hang on a second she's well within her rights to say that if she wants 08459 555 555 815 travel news Adam Glynn Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. As far as we know, that overturned vehicle on the A5 near to Mark Yate may well be gone. Certainly, traffic seems to be flowing past there okay without too much of a problem. Queues are building now on the A1 as you get toward the Black Cat roundabout near to Roxton. Slow along the A421 approaching the roundabout as well. The A1M is heavy from Junction 8 at Hitchin through to 7 at Stevenage. Looking like quite a bit of traffic building up there on the sensors. Near to London Coney, a little bit busy on the A414 and the M25. It's slow anti-clockwise from Kings Langley to the M40 and clockwise going into the roadworks section starting at Junction 23, the A1M. Trains, thankfully, all looking good. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much indeed. Right, 8.16, it's Thursday the 11th of April. I'm Ian Lee and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. After a murder inquiry has been launched in Luton, there is now an increased police presence in the Lusey Farm area. A 62-year-old man has been arrested on suspicion of attempted kidnap of a young girl from Milton Keynes. And in sport, golf's first major tournament of the season, the Masters, gets underway today. The weather today for beds, hearts and bucks, it'll brighten up with sunny spells, yeah right, developing in the afternoon, but also a few heavy and perhaps thundery showers. Maximum temperature is 14 degrees. Coming up, if an automatic fire alarm goes off, then your fire service may or may not turn up. It depends where you are in beds, hearts and bucks. Before 8.30, we'll find out why Buckinghamshire Fire and Rescue is the only service outside of London which will go to them all. BBC Three Counties Radio. Nick Coffer, across beds, hearts and bucks. As you may know, probably my favourite day of the working week has to be Friday. Why? Well, it's the day where I get out of the studio and travel around the three counties meeting local people. Nick Coffer. And this Friday, I'm in the Bedfordshire village of Stagston. There'll be live music from Indy Ford, hand bell ringing, the Bedfordshire young farmers, and I'll be learning how to pick the perfect cow. Nick Coffer. So, come along and meet the BBC Three Counties radio team Friday from 12... At the Royal George in Stagston. Nick Coffer, BBC Three Counties Radio. Bom bom. <laughs>
<laughs> you see? This is how in tune we are. Yes. We're in tune. Where do you get your pants from? Where do I get... Um, gen- well, a mixture of places. Really? You yes. don't have one pants supplier? No. Uh, uh, many of them are from Calvin Klein. I have a excuse me, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> what? And never. What? Wow, stylish. <laughs> stylish package. <laughs> the, well, the, the packaging is stylish. So, uh, and where? where, where <laughs> I've got a number from Pringle. I love my Pringle pants. There is. What do Pringle pants do? Do, do they have the logo on? Yes. Oh, where? On the front. <laughs> We're just on the right side. Why are you talking about my pants? Stop it. No, I just we're, we're talking about Marks and Spencer's I know, and how it's don't on talk the. Talk about my pants. What did you, <laughs> you you gave the information freely, so I've not got a gun pointed at your head. I'm not torturing you for goodness' sake. Tommy Hilfiger. I got some Tommy Do Hilfiger. Do you really? Yes. What really? Those are expensive pants. You go to Marks and Spencer's, you can get a pack of three for a tenner. It's true. Yeah. But then when you stand there, almost naked, you look ever so frumpy. <laughs> It, no one sees me anymore, so it doesn't. Ah. It doesn't matter. We get changed in the dark at home. <laughs> <laughs> We've been married for four years. Oh, we don't need four years, and already that's happened. Yeah, going no. with you. two kids. That's what's going on. <laughs> oh, I with see. Do you, do, do you ever buy? You never buy from Marks's, do you? Oh yes. Really? What was the last thing you bought? I, all my socks are from Marks. Their elastic is seven, second to none. What? I'm so confused. How can you separate? Your underwear. So you get your underwear from one place and you get your, your, your socks from another. Surely you just go in, I need new pants and socks, these in the basket, wallet. Bish, bash, bosh. Well, generally I get my Monks and Spencer socks every Christmas. Oh, birthday. okay. I get great big packs. Right. You know, with the colourful toes and colourful oh, heels. Oh, no. Why? It's black very... socks. Black socks. No. Black I, socks. I don't like black socks. I don't like... I bet you're the kind of person as well that will wear a Homer Simpson tie or a Tasmanian Devil tie to work no, with you. No, I will. A bit will. Wacky. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, it's not. Friday. I've got the Daffy Duck tie on everybody. <laughs> You know those people got the Homer Simpson socks because they're a bit wacky. Yeah, lots of fun, lots and lots of fun. Well, we've discussed your pants and move on to uh, more serious topics. What's coming up on your show this morning? Uh, well, I have a sneaky feeling we may be in agreement today, and for oh. once, mm. rare rare occasions yes, we agree on. with one another. Coming up on the big phone in this morning at yes. nine. Are you selfish if you're not on the organ donor register? Uh, you've been talking about this story this morning. I know the number of people donating organs after death has gone up fifty percent in the past. Five years. It's thought the rise is partly due to more specialist nurses who support bereaved families and approach them about donation. NHS Blood and Transplant says it's a landmark event, but more still needs to be done. Figures show that 40% of families still refuse consent for organ donation, and three people die every day in the UK because of a lack of wow, organ donors. That's incredible. Well, from nine this morning, I want to hear your view. Are you selfish? If you're not on the organ donor register, I can't understand it if people aren't on the organ donor register. No. I can't understand it. No. If, if I had my way, and if I was Prime Minister, compulsory for everyone. Oh, it would be, it would be an opt-out system if I was. I'd be a little, little no, gentler. No, no, I, I, I don't think you should be able to opt out. Wow. Seems to be a great shame that every day, perfectly good organs yep. that could save other people's lives are either burnt or buried. How would you... This is the thing, I, when we, we, we've got a second, so I've got a guest coming up, but how would you feel... It, it, I'm trying to imagine how I would feel if, if one of my loved ones, one of the people closest to me, had just died and a doctor came in and said, well, I know they just passed, but we need to make the decision on whether we're going to take that liver or not. One of the greatest sadnesses in my life... When my mother died, none of her organs were any use to anyone else. Really? It would have given me and the family so much 
comfort mm. to know that from our tragedy other people could have had some some happiness sadly my mother's organs were no good to anyone by the yes. time she died and that's a great shame because you know you need those little glimmers of of hope in times of tragedy yes, and I, right. I, you know i i think i i can't understand i've spoken to people there, there are people who work here mm. who i've i've had arguments with in the past who've said no if my son or daughter was was in a car accident then i would whether they want to or not i would block it i would right. refuse their organs to go to anyone else i can't understand it mm. but are you selfish or is there a very good reason why you're not on the organ donor register we'll talk about that this morning from nine thank you very much indeed call 08459 455 555 08459 Now, if an automatic fire alarm goes off, then your local fire service may or may not attend, depending on whereabouts in the three counties you are. The organisation which represents manufacturers of fire protection systems says it's a postcode lottery. It's calling for a universal approach to attending automatic fire alarms. At the moment, the only fire brigade outside London to attend all the time, no matter what, with their blue lights on, is Buckinghamshire Fire and Rescue. Hearts Fire and Rescue only attend automatic fire alarms in the case of care homes or hospitals and Bedfordshire say they don't attend if they're told it's a false alarm. Well earlier on in the show I spoke to Graham Ellicott from the Fire Industry Association. I asked him whether people had died because of this. Yes we believe so. We believe there have been losses or we believe there are court cases pending at the moment where Fire and Rescue didn't attend for whatever reason and there have been major losses but the insurers are loath to you know go on the record and say where they are. One of the fire services that doesn't attend all automatic fire alarms is uh, the Hearts Fire and Rescue. I'm joined now by the Deputy Chief Fire Officer from there, John Mills. John, why don't you attend all automatic fire uh, alarms? Well, when you say it's a postcode lottery, um, it's actually a more complex picture than that because it's not just about where you live, it's the building that you're in. So, for example, if you're the Hilton Hotel, the last thing you want is at midnight is to tip all your customers out into the rain or the cold which will affect your reputation which will affect your business uh, and what we encourage those type of places to do is to go and see what the cause of the fire alarm is before you tip people outside uh, and, John, and could you? I, I, I don't know, are you on a mobile phone John? I am yeah. C- could you move ever so slightly because we're losing you a little bit I'm, I'm, I'm interested to hear what you're saying. Right. That sounds that, okay. that sounds much better. Well, we heard from from Graham Ellicott though from the Fire Industry Association. He says that that, that people have died because of of this. Well, certainly I'm I'm not um, aware of uh, any of that that sort of evidence. If if there was evidence like that, then certainly we would have a look at our policy. But the policy that we've got in Hertfordshire is actually very similar to most other fire and rescue services throughout the country. So, for example, last year we had three thousand five hundred or just over. Um, automatic fire alarm calls and we actually attended about 2,480 of those um, because about half of those are actually in care homes so it, in actual fact a lot of the businesses that we're, we're uh, dealing with as well, they want um, some flexibility in the type of calls that we attend because it's affecting them as a business as well the, Of the, the, the 1,000 odd that you didn't attend, were any of those genuine fires? No, no. Um, absolutely what we do is the alarm receiving company, so the AFA company, the automatic fire alarm company, we get them to phone back the business or the occupier and say, is there any sign of smoke? Is there any sign that there's a fire? Uh, and if there is a sign of fire, then obviously we'll send uh, at least one fire appliance, if not two, 
uh, down to investigate. Um, but we do encourage building owners and occupiers to, to do that first bit of investigation themselves. So, for example, I've got a hardwired fire alarm system in my house. Um, and the, the, the last thing that I would do was call the fire service first. The first thing I would do is go and investigate and find out what the cause of the alarm is. And that's what we're encouraging other builders, owners, occupiers uh, to do, both in the commercial sector and the private sector. I, 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 I would be reluctant if a fire alarm was going off in a building to, to go in and have a look to see if there's a fire. Well, that's what... Um, there's some very large... Uh, commercial buildings throughout Hertfordshire. Is that not a bit um, dangerous? Pub- well, no, public buildings as well. So if you take something like the Harlequin Shopping Centre in Watford, that's exactly what they do. They've got walking wardens, they've got walking supervisors, they've got trained staff who know what to do, who know what the signs and symptoms of, uh, of fire are. If they see anything at all suspicious, the first thing they do is get on to the fire service uh, and, and we will attend. The last thing the Harlequin, or, or a big... Um, commercial organisation like that is to tip everybody outside, lose the business, cause disruption, and actual fact, the last thing that the community of Hertfordshire want is fire, fire appliances charging around the streets on blue lights. Oh, of course. Um, cause, causing risk to other road users. Would you suggest that people do that, go and investigate in their own homes if a fire alarm goes off? Well, yes, I would. Um, that's certainly something that I do. Um, You're a fireman, but, uh, what, though. What, but, but, but what I would say is, if, if anybody's got any doubt, if anybody sees any smoke or any sign of fire, the first thing that they should do is phone the fire service. If there's any doubt at all, we will attend, and, and that's an absolute guarantee from us. If you do attend and it turns out to be a false alarm, what happens? Do you tell the people off? Do you charge them? Do you advise them on how to avoid that in the future? We certainly don't tell them off. Um, what we do is advise them about how to avoid it in the future, especially in places like care homes, uh, where we understand that there's um, numerous elderly, vulnerable people in there. Mm. What we do have is um, three times, um, if they get an AFA in three times in 26 weeks, we do write to them officially, because actual fact, sometimes the equipment that's been installed in their buildings is the wrong type of smoke detector or fire detector system in the first place. So they can actually go back to the suppliers uh, and have the systems reviewed and revised. And sometimes it's just a simple maintenance program that John, will resolve the issue. We're, we're losing you again. We're going to let you go. I think you managed to get your, your uh, point across quite well. I hope you feel you did anyway. That's Deputy Chief Fire Officer for Hearts Fire and Rescue, John Mills. Um, I, I would be reluctant if there was a fire alarm going off in my house as I approached it. Uh, I, I would be reluctant to, uh, to go in there. It's all right for John. He's a fireman. He knows what to do. 08459 455 555 is the phone number. Coming up in the last 30 minutes of the show, we will be talking about organ transplants. Are you? Uh, are there bits of your body you're keen to keep? We've heard from uh, several people that, that they... Yeah, have what you want. Don't touch the eyes. Do not touch the eyes. Why is that? And if you've been in the position where a member of your family has, has passed away, someone very close to you, uh, and the doctor comes in shortly after, they've got to do it quickly... 20 minutes after your your mum's died or your your son's died very sorry um, um, about the uh, loss we do need to ask you though if we could take your son's kidney as there'll be someone that would need it have you been in that position I can't even begin to imagine what that's like what did you do 08459 455 555 right let's get the travel news now here's Adam Glynn Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
things are moving pretty well still. We've got traffic building in a few places. The A421 from Bletchley through into Milton Keynes looking a little bit busy. And the A5, both ways in Dunstable, approaching the A505 will be quite slow right now. A little bit of traffic along the A414 as you go from Ware toward Hartford. It's not looking too bad, but it is definitely looking busy. The A1, so at the Black Cat roundabout, we've got a queue building up and it's looking slow on the Great Barford bypass toward the roundabout as well. The A1M then gets busy from Junction 8 at Hitchin through to 7 at Stevenage. And then as you get in toward London on the A1, Boreham Wood is queuing between Stirling Corner and Mill Hill Circus. Around London Coney, the A414 again looking a little bit slow. Not too bad at the Park Street roundabout as you get toward the London Coney roundabout, though it gets a bit busier. And then the M25. Anti-clockwise queues from Kings Langley to the M40, Junction 20 to 16. And then clockwise approaching the A1M at Junction 23 and the roadworks is looking busy. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. 8.13 News and Sport now. Here's Serena. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. After a murder inquiry has been launched in Luton, there's now an increased police presence in the Lucy Farm area. A 62-year-old man's been arrested on suspicion of attempted kidnap of a young girl from Milton Keynes. Elsewhere, doctors are thanking specialist nurses for the rise in the number of organ donations. There'll be more on this story, which is being hailed a major achievement, as the JVS show will be asking, are you selfish if you're not on the organ donor register? All that from nine. And the Liberal Democrats have held on to the Wigmore Ward in Luton. A by-election was called following the death of Liberal Democrat Roy Davis. That's the news. Let's move on to the sport. Beds, Hearts and Bucks Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. A one-all draw with Paris Saint-Germain at the new Camp last night was enough to earn Barcelona an away goals victory and a place in the semi-finals of the Champions League. Pedro's second-half strike levelled the tie at 3 all. Meanwhile, locally, Milton Keynes Dons will have to check on the fitness of midfielder Stephen Gleeson. That's ahead of Saturday's trip to Leighton Orient. Gleeson was forced off with an ankle injury during Tuesday night's win over Swindon. And finally in golf, Tiger Woods is favourite to win the Masters, which gets underway at August National today. Woburn-based Ian Poulter's also been tipped to repeat his Ryder Cup heroics and claim his first major title. I feel like I'm ready to go out there and, and play some good golf. I mean, there's, there's keys to this golf course which I have to do well, and uh, I've done a number of those things well in the past, so I need to, I need to pull upon those and make sure I'm doing the right things well and limiting any mistakes. BBC Three Counties Radio more from me at nine. Call 08459 455 555 08459 455 555 BBC Three Counties Radio here until nine o'clock then JVS comes on and does his thing uh, coming up in the next 30 minutes what was the last thing you bought from Marks and Spencer's piece of clothing Okay, the food sales are 4% higher than a year ago, but general merchandising, which includes clothing, is down by 3.8%. What was the last piece of clothing you bought there? And also later in the show, I'll be speaking to a man from Buckinghamshire who knows the importance of organ donation. Earlier this year, he became the longest surviving heart transplant patient in the UK. We're talking as well about fire alarms this morning. If an automatic fire alarm goes off, your local service may or may not attend. Um, at the moment, 
Um, Buckinghamshire Fire and Rescue is the only brigade outside of London to attend all fire alarms, no matter what. Hearts Fire and Rescue only attend automatic fire alarms in the case of care homes or hospitals. And Bedfordshire say they don't attend if they're told it's a false alarm. Well, Dave is a former firefighter. He's in Milton Keynes. Morning, Dave. Good morning. You heard um, what John Mills, the Deputy Chief Fire Officer for Hearts uh, Fire and Rescue, was saying. Well, what did you think about it? Well, I wasn't very impressed with quite you. What it boils down to is to save money at the end of the day. That's what it's all about, by not sending one or two appliances with four or five men on. So, it's to save money, it's not um, to save time or anything like that, it's just to save a few quid? Well, yeah, I mean, when the statement he made about a hotel, the owner doesn't want to disturb his guests or put them out in the cold in the middle of the night. I mean, that's just crazy. I mean, if you've got a fire, even down below, say, in the bedding department, down below, and you've got people searching for it, uh, minutes, you know, that yeah. could cost lives. I mean, if I was in a hotel with me and my wife and the alarm went off, I'd be the first people out. I, listen, I've, I've been in a hotel when the fire alarm's gone off in the middle of the night, and I've been turfed out, and you, everyone has a little grumble and a little whinge, but I'd rather be stood out in the cold in my pyjamas than in a burning hotel. Well, it, exactly. Buck's fire service budgets uh, for this kind of thing. Is it just the case that Hearts don't think it's a good use of their funding? Well, I mean, these, these chief officers, they're told what their budgets are and they're told what to do were to save money, i.e. cutting members of the, you know, the number of men on the appliances. Dave, listen, I appreciate your time. Thank you very much indeed. David Milton Keynes, former firefighter, disagreeing strongly with what John Mills was saying earlier on. Yeah, I've been turfed out. It, and it's a nightmare. It's, it's a, not a nightmare. It's, it's a, an inconvenience. Got turfed out of a really posh hotel in... Um, was it Edinburgh? It was Edinburgh. Really posh hotel because the steam in a shower set off the alarm. And we all go out. We all trundle out onto the street. Oh, flipping. Oh, blimey. Oh, man. But... I'd rather be stood out in the cold for 15 minutes than in a blazing hotel. And it's worth taking that risk, isn't it? Lots of people nowadays as well ignore fire alarms. I've been in supermarkets where the fire alarm goes off and people carry on shopping and member of staff says, I'm going to have to ask you to uh, evacuate the building. Well, I'm just getting this. What about this? I'm going to have to leave the basket there. I'm not leaving this here. Idiots. If fire alarm goes, get out, for goodness sakes. 08459 four double five five double five. Steve's from Heath and Reach. Steve, what was the last thing you bought at Marks and Spencer's? Um, well, it wasn't actually me. It was my wife at the weekend. She just bought uh, some underwear. But, um, I mean, the, the biggest problem with M&S is, is that, you know, that, yes, the, the clothing is quality. Um, but I think, you know, we live in a, almost a throwaway society now with the cheaper brands um, available to people. Um, and, and I, you know, I mentioned Primark, Matalan, you know, we'll go in there, we'll buy stuff for the summer holiday, and it will last for the summer holiday, and that will be it. Because it's cheap, though, we can afford to throw it away. Mm. Uh, and it is an issue that, that, you know, I wouldn't want to see Marks and Spencers go down that route, because it's the stack it high, sell it cheap environment. But the problem they have is that, you know, um, my wife is 52, and she will shop in there because she likes the clothing. But she will also shop on those other brands that I've mentioned because, you know, we don't want to spend a heap of money on shorts for holiday, on tops for holiday. 
you know, they will not be bought out maybe, you know, the next year because they will have been thrown away. You're right, the, the clothes there are quite expensive, but they don't have that lu- the kind of luxury look that you'd expect from expensive clothes. They're kind of sort of somewhere in the middle, aren't they? You're, and, you're absolutely right. And, the, yeah, men's, and think- the men's shirts and trousers, I've got to be honest, the men's shirts and trousers, apart from the plain white shirts, they're pretty rotten, aren't they, to, to look at? Yeah, and they're not inspiring for you, you know, me as a businessman, I would never buy a suit in there, for instance, because, you know, I'm in and out of a car, and the quality of the suit, while, you know, it's pretty good, is not as good as some of the better-made suits around. And I think, you know, you've got to inspire people also on their website to look at the bundles that can be offered. You know, I work with retail companies day in, day out, and and the fact is that the other brands are making a better job of their their interaction on websites. Steve, thank you very much. Brenda's from Buckingham. Brenda, what was the last bit of clothing you bought from M&S? I bought a bra a couple of weeks ago. excuse me. (laughs) Yeah. There you go, that's an image. Um, Well, no, my my just comment about Marks is that they don't think of the older person very often. I mean, I've sort of spoken with um, friends that I'm in touch with, and... uh, I know it's the fashion nowadays, but everything is so low. I'm sort of 70-ish. I've shopped in Marks on and off all through my life, mm. and I've loved the quality. And I still, I personally still think the quality's there. But the styles for the older person, no. I mean, we do like a sleeve, but you don't see the pretty tops anymore that have got a little higher neck or a little collar or pretty pi- pretty buttons or a bit of lace it's um no they don't think of the older lady so well, that's interesting because there are yeah. some people that would that would say that mark's Spencer's is too old and you're saying no quite the opposite no, it's too no, young no <laughs> i i think not um i'm i'm i shop in milton Keynes one and uh, no i was in there with my sister actually a couple of weeks ago and we just looked at all the things and a lot of the dresses they're they're dreary and 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 they're not they're not as you say that somebody has said that they're not up to fashion they are dreary but I think the quality's there, but they just don't think of the older person. I think, I don't want to show all what I've got. I'm 70, and I like a higher neck, and I like a sleeve. But they don't seem to cater for the older lady, so, uh, you know, that's my comment. There are some There are some women in their 60s and 70s who do like to show all I they've know, got. I know, I know, but there are those that don't. I'm, I mean, I you. love Twiggy. They're thinking of bringing Twiggy back. I love Twiggy. I think she's lovely. She's got a beautiful personality. But I'm not a stick. I'm not a barrel. No. But you don't seem to see the clothes for me there. It's just, uh, Brenda, where, where just do you shop up. then? Do you go to like River Island or Topshop or H&M? What places do you buy your clothes from? Well, I haven't bought a lot recently because I've not seen a lot in that. They all seem Sorry? to have the same trend. Are you wandering around naked? <laughs> no, not quite naked, oh. no. Well, look, <laughs> I make a lot of what I do last. But um, no, I, I do buy sweaters now from uh, just plain ones. I, I do buy from British Home that you think has been gone a long time. I thought British They're Home stores there. closed years ago. No, gosh, no. You're not there. You're not with it. You're. Well, uh, <laughs> you don't go up and down the high street British very much. Home do stores you? is with it, is it? <laughs> oh no, it's still there. No, I shop in reasonably priced shops. I think Marks and Spencers are still pretty reasonable. I think the quality is still there, but the styles for the older lady, um, no, they don't think of the older person. Um, we we we're not smarter now, and I agree that yep. we could have smarter clothes. But I do think that they could raise the legs a little and uh, do something for the do older you know- person. Do you know what I miss? What? I miss CNA. Yes, so I miss the I lovely wedding cu- dress from CNA. Did you, your wedding dress? <laughs> I bought my wedding dress from CNA, yeah, a very long time ago now. I used to love their colourful, they had that was kind of rainbow <coughs> logo, didn't they? Yeah. I used yeah, to love a bit so, of CNA. Yeah. There, was, there was a big one in Milton Keynes, but that went like all think next is there now. So, oh dear. Uh, Brenda, listen, thank you very much indeed. Brenda from Buckingham.
She wants to cover up a little bit. She bought a bra, but she wants something to go over the top of it. She can't get it from Marks and Spencers. Well, from uh, we're all over the shop this morning. I think this show is at its best when we jump from we quantum leap from Marks and Spencers to organ donation. Oh wait, four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number. Good news: the number of people donating organs after death has gone up fifty percent in the past five years. It's thought the rise is partly due to more specialist nurses who support bereaved families and approach them about donation. They are now familiar figures in intensive care units across the country. Well, one man from Buckinghamshire knows the importance of organ donation. He's become the longest surviving heart transplant patient in the UK. John McCafferty from Newport Pagnell was given just five years to live when he had the operation. John, how long ago were you given five years to live? Um, 1982, October 1982. So that, that what, was 30 years? 30, 30 and a half years now. That's not bad going, is it? T- tell us what, what happened. Well, it was uh, like anything else, like, you know, you're, you're well one minute and you're unwell the next minute. And, of course, um, when I was uh, unwell, uh, I was taken up to uh, Northampton Hospital and then down to the John Radcliffe where I was diagnosed with cardiomyopathy, uh, which is a, um, a heart, um, you know, a disease of, of, of the muscle itself. It doesn't pump properly. Mm. So the only alternative to it, there was nothing they could do about it. So um, it was... Um, heart transplant or nothing else and, and when they said that to you when they said john listen we've got a choice to make here you can uh, either you know die or get a heart transplant how did that make you feel well uh, i was in a fortunate position because um a year to the day i sat down and watched the bbc2 program on heart transplantation uh, not knowing that 12 months to the day i'd be going through that same operation um it was one of those things that well uh, here's me at 40 years of age, um, or thereabouts, um, you know, 39, um, and I wanted to carry on living. So if I didn't go through with the operation, um, I was going to die anyway. If I died on the table, then so be it. But at least I was wanting to give myself a chance, and that was the way that I actually approached it. Do you know anything about the person that donated to you? No, the only thing I know was it was a young lad from Essex who, um, as a result of a motorcycle accident, um, died. Um, I found out that he was in his early 20s. Um, I don't know his name. I'd never met his family. I'd never communicated with his family. And it was only because of my own, um, I suppose, not selfishness, but uh, it was a question of this family's gone through one bereavement. If I make contact with them and thank them for the organ, which I've always done anyway, mm. you know, in, in different ways, and then if anything happened to me shortly afterwards, they'd be thinking to themselves, well, that was a waste of time and all the rest of it. Um, and they might be going through another part of, of, of bereavement again. So I didn't want to put the family through that. So, yes, I've always said that I'll always be grateful for my donor. John, what, what do you think of, of people who are reluctant to donate their organs or are completely against it what would you say to them well um, there's arguments for and, and 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 against and i have found out that an awful lot of these people who say no i don't want to go into the register or no i don't believe in it, and all the rest of it then i always question what would they do if one of their children or one of their family their husband their wife whatever um, the only alternative to them was an organ transplant are you trying to tell me that that family would turn and say no i don't want an organ 
organ for that, that person, for that child. Uh, we're just going to let them die. I think in actual fact, if, if you reverse the role, I think you would find the majority of people um, would turn and say, oh, yes, let's you know, you know, get an organ um, uh, transplant. And it's one of these things. If you're prepared to receive an organ, then you're prepared to give one. John, I really appreciate your time this morning. John McCafferty, uh, Newport Pagnell, had uh, a heart transplant 30 years ago. Well, JVS is going to be talking about donations uh, on his phone in today. He's asking, are you selfish if you're not on the organ donor register? You can start calling him up now. 08459 455555. 8.45, travel news, Adam Glynn. Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Things are looking pretty good. We've got a bit of a queue still at the Black Cat roundabout on the A1 and on the A421 approaching the roundabout there. The A1M southbound is heavy from Junction 8 at Hitchin through to 7 at Stevenage. The A602 away from there not looking too bad on the sensors though. M25 anti-clockwise queuing from Kings Langley at Junction 20 through to the M40 at Junction 16. And then if you're heading into London using the M40 and the A40, we've got long delays through Perivale because of a broken down vehicle earlier this morning near the Hoover building. It's slow all the way back past beyond RAF Northolt now to around Long Lane at Hillingdon. It was a coach that broke down. It's just very busy as a result. Meanwhile, if you're going the other way on the M25 again, clockwise, we've got slow traffic approaching the roadworks at Junction 23. Looking at the train departure boards for you, and it's not been a bad morning so far. As of right now, things are looking pretty good still, with almost everything completely on timetable. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. Right, it's uh, 8.46. It's Thursday the 11th of April. I'm Ian Lee, and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Police continue to patrol Luton's Lucy Farm area following a murder inquiry. After the attempted abduction of a three-year-old girl from Milton Keynes, a man has now been arrested. In sport, a draw with Paris Saint-Germain last night gave Barcelona victory and a place in the semi-finals of the Champions League. Coming up, what was the last piece of clothing you bought from Marks and Spencers? The food sales are up, but the clothing sales are down 3.8%. What do you think they're doing wrong? We'll get your views before nine, but now let's get the weather with Elizabeth Rossini. Beds, Hearts and Bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hello, very good morning to you. Yeah, it's a bit of a misty, murky, grey old start to the day. Very overcast with a few outbreaks of light rain and drizzle left to come. But I think it will brighten up nicely into the afternoon. We're likely to get a few spells of sunshine, particularly towards southern areas, I think, of our three counties. And there, where we do get the sunshine, we're also likely to see one or two heavy showers trickled off. So April fair, really, all the way through this afternoon. Um, so, yeah, some lovely spells of sunshine, but watch out for a bit of a drenching, I suspect. Uh, we may well see a little bit of thunder, some hail in the mix and some very heavy um, heavy downpours at times too. Temperatures where we get the sunshine will rise nicely to 10 or 11 degrees Celsius, 52 in Fahrenheit. It'll feel quite cold though, of course, underneath the showers and for the rest of the morning with all that cloud around. For this evening and overnight, mostly dry. Temperatures down 5 or 6 degrees Celsius and then tomorrow, a bit of a wet start to the rush hour, I suspect. Another band of heavy rain pushing in from the southwest that will clear sunshine and showers thereafter it does look like it's going to be a mild weekend but on saturday i suspect a rather gray day with a few outbreaks of rain at times sunday some nice hazy sunshine and temperatures possibly up to 16 or 17 degrees might even see higher than that so good news that's the forecast what was the last bit of clothing you bought at m&s elizabeth um i i buy i like underwear from m&s is that allowed 
Have I gone down in your estimation or up? Up a little bit. Okay. It's very allowed. BBC Introducing. BBC Introducing is your chance to hear unsigned, undiscovered and under-the-radar music on BBC Three Counties Radio. We showcase the best emerging talent from across beds, hearts and bucks with live sessions and exclusive recordings. And this Saturday, we're taking BBC Introducing to the Hat Factory in Luton for a free night of live music. Tune in or come down and discover music you never knew existed. BBC Introducing this Saturday night from 8 on BBC Three Counties Radio. Boom shakalaka! I don't know why I felt like saying that. Whenever Gareth speaks passionately about BBC Introducing, I just feel, feel really hip and with it. He's older than me. Now, when did you last buy your clothes from Marks and Spencer? And what was the last thing you bought? The retailer has announced its latest sales figures this morning. Food is up a bit, but general merchandising, including clothes, down by almost 4%. Well, our fashion correspondent, Justin Dealey, has been hanging around Marks and Spencers to see why people aren't going in. Justin. Boom shakalaka. Boom shakalaka. Boom, wind your body and wiggle your body. Yes. I do no such thing, sir, <laughs> but I will go. Boom shakalaka. Oh, love it, love it. Of course, I'm the fashion icon of BBC Three Counties yeah, Radio. Yeah, you here. keep yes. believing that, Justin. No, no, I do believe it. Oh. I've been told, I've been told, yeah. You, well, your, your fashion statements involve mm. having your shirt unbuttoned to your navel. I know you like it. And wearing, like, it's like a snow. Yes, I know you like that too. Any other comments to make? So what have you been up to this morning outside Marks and Spencer's? <laughs> well, I've been in St Albans and I've been asking people why they are turning their backs on M&S and this is what people had to say. Well, Joan, we're standing opposite Marks and Spencer's. Why have you turned your back on Marks and Sparks? It's, um, it's a lot of young styles. For somebody my age, we used to go to Marks and Spencer's for good quality clothes that lasted well, that looked nice. I love the colours. I do love the colours that they've got out this year. But they're, it's far too young for me. I'm 52. I don't want to dress like a 20-year-old. You see, I find this fascinating. A lot of people would associate Marks and Spencers in their 20s with being too old. You're somebody in their 50s saying it's too young. But I think they're trying to go for the younger market. Yeah. That's where the money is. It's only the youngsters that have money these days. So if they made more mature clothing, let's say, you would go back into Marks and Spencers? If they made the clothing that they used to do, a nice fitted pair of trousers. They make lovely trousers, but they're all either very wide legs, which is what all the youngsters are wearing, or skinny, which is what the youngsters are wearing. I want a nice pair of trousers, not too flared, not too skinny. Where do I go? I've got to go to British Home Stores now. Dan, Marks and Spencers, why don't you use Marks and Sparks? Uh, it's too expensive when it comes down to the food products. Yeah, I'd, otherwise I wouldn't do clothes shopping there whatsoever. Why wouldn't you do clothes shopping? Uh, it's just not my style, I guess. Too old? Yeah, too old, definitely. Interestingly enough, I've just spoken to a lady who says that it's too young and she's in her 50s, so clearly they don't know their market, do they? <laughs> yeah, clearly not. Um, yeah, I just think it's uh, definitely not in my age bracket. I'm 21 and, yeah, it's... Uh, probably more of the middle age sort of thing it's like it's fixed on one age bracket i reckon if you said to your friends i bought something from marks and spencers do you think they'd laugh at you yeah i reckon so yeah yeah it's more like you know you normally go like to the top man or to the burns or that not to marks and sparks no definitely not and let's get a final opinion here from sue sue why have you turned your back on marks and spencers because i just think it's overpriced for what it is 
I mean, some people say to me that it's too old. Some people say it's too young. What's your opinion on that? Um, some of the stuff is too old and some of the stuff is too young. There's nothing in the middle. Mm. Even when you're over 50, you still want to look smart, but you don't want to be paying loads of money for something that you know you can go and buy cheaper and be more up-to-date. So let's turn the clock back 20 years ago. You would be in Marks and Sparks all the time. You're not anymore. No, not really. I suppose 10 years ago I would have gone to Marks and Spencers first, but now it would be my last port of call. So it's quite simply not what it used to be? Not at all what it used to be. Can they ever get it back? Because it is a bit of an institution in this country. I think they've got to be more competitive with their prices to get people to go back when you've got Primark, Matalan, and people are going to shop around for a better deal. I'm so surprised, Justin, that BHS, the British Home (laughs) Stores, is still going. I thought they went years ago. No, and of course, uh, BHS uh, on the high street as well in St Albans. But uh, in terms of M&S, I think that's the key there. Somebody in their 50s saying, do you know what? It's way too young for me. Somebody in their 20s saying, well, it's way too old for me. So I think that's where the problem is. Uh, The powers that be at M&S, if you are listening to this right now, I am available for a marketing position on the side, £500 an hour, I can turn things around for you, quite clearly. Justin, I'd really like to look at your pants. Um, you can look at them when I come back. I can probably describe them to you right now. No, I want Ladies to look at them. yourselves. I it's, want to uh, look at them. They're, they're, they're grey with, with a red top, and they're uh, DKMY today. I always go for a designer brand on the pants. And um, do they hold your buns nice and tightly? Yes, yes, it's um, yeah, a nice package. Um, we'll OK, we're going to end it there. Thank you very much, Justin Dealey. Uh, Sheila's in St Albans. Sheila, when was the, what was the last thing you bought in, Mark? and Spencers. Shoes, and I'll apply for that job for 450. <laughs> 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 I'll, I'll, I'll do, uh, yeah, no, I'm not going to go lower than 450. Uh, yeah. yes. um, um, I'm afraid that I feel that there is a problem with the marks, um, the marks quality and, and the way it is. Now, I'm saying I find some of their older stuff yep. is too fuddy-duddy. In other words, it's like... God, um, it's like older people of fifth or of sixty or so used to wear donkey's years ago. Right. Okay. Um, you you, you kind of go from this very modern peruna, and then you suddenly slip over the other side to the so-called classical side, and but, that's it. But I also think their quality has gone down. Um, I have made complaints. I have written little forms. For instance, necklaces where they've been made and they've twirled with these metal bits and mm. they're kind of like scratchy or a pashmina where the, the stitching at the bottom hasn't been finished off, you know, tied. Um, and I'm thinking, well, why am I paying fifteen, £20 for that when um, it's not finished off properly? Sheila, stay there. Uh, Paula's in Abbots Langley. Paula, what, what do you think? Do you think their, cl- their clothes for the, um, the older lady are a little bit fuddy-duddy? Indeed. I've just been listening to what the other lady was saying, and she's, it's quite true. And if um, you want a bigger size, okay, they have them, but why do they make them so long? I mean, I'm only the norm, well, five foot eight, but I'm in a bigger size, and they... Um, just hang so low down. I we, we spoke it. to a, a lady in her 70s earlier on who thought that the, the, some of the dresses in the tops were a little bit too revealing on, on, the, on the bust and that she wanted it yeah. to go a bit yeah, higher. Yeah, they're dresses. They've done a crossover style at the moment. Yeah. And it's all right if you've got the cleavage to hold it out. But I'm one of those, unfortunately, that hasn't. Mm. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, I, I just think they've gone downhill completely. 
and would you agree with Sheila, Paula, that the quality isn't quite as good as it used to be? It isn't, no. Yeah. And what? their T-shirts, to me, look as if they should be part of a pyjama set. <laughs> I, I, actually, I, I, I get, I get my pyjamas from... Oh, no, I get my pyjamas from The Gap. I don't get them. Sheila, what would it take to get you to go back in there and spend vast amounts of money on their clothes? Um, for them to ask me to come and have a look at their clothes. Oh. But I, I, I have to say, this is probably something that other people might not have complained about. When you go in the shop, you've got all these knickers. Yeah. Beautiful knickers. Beautiful in knickers. little prints. And then you go to the fuller size, ah. right? Mm. And right. they are roses, plain, pink or blue or whatever. What's wrong with having a leopard skin print the same as the youngsters have? And I just say to them, they are horrible. You know, just because you're a bigger size doesn't mean to say you don't want sort of something a little bit more modern. I don't like roses. Paula, would you like um, I, leopard skin knickers? I wouldn't mind, but I heartily agree with everything the other lady is saying. Oh, yes. It's, uh, I mean, I like bright coloured underwear, but uh, well, I mean, some of it is horrible. A bigger, bigger size and it all goes, ugh. That's right. We'll, we'll end it there. I think that's the perfect uh, the summary of Mark's suspense. It's a bigger size and it all goes, ugh. Well, thank you so much. We've learnt so much about your underwear habits this morning, dear listener, with Sheila and Paula there, both um, the mature ladies. They want the leopard skin. They want something a little bit raunchy. They don't want roses on their knickers. They don't want plain pants. They want something a little bit, um, a little bit sexy, a little bit exciting. I do. <laughs> I wasn't expecting to get those answers. Isn't it funny what people will tell you if you just ask them a direct question? Oh dear. Calm down, calm down. Right, travel news now. Here's Adam Glynn. Beds, hearts, and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Thanks, Ian. The A1 looking a little bit busy still at the Black Cat roundabout, as is the Great Barford Bypass and the Bedford Road around there. The A1M on the southbound side heavy between Hitchin and Stevenage. The A5 in Dunstable mainly going into Dunstable along the High Street North. You'll find it busy toward the A505 at the Church Street Junction. And the A505 itself is slow through to the A5. Northwestern Avenue, part of the A41 in Watford looking busy at the Dome roundabout. M25 anti-clockwise, there's still a queue from Junction 17 at Maple Cross to 16 at the M40, but it's not quite as bad as it was because it was tailing back to the M1. Clockwise getting slower though from the A1M through to Junction 24 at Potter's Bar, so going into the roadwork section. And for anyone heading in toward London, the A40 is still slow round Perivale from there back to Hillingdon after a coach broke down earlier this morning. Trains still looking good. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Excellent stuff, Adam. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, Billy from Milton Keynes says, The one thing about M&S is the salespeople are very polite and don't chat with their colleagues. I'll have some of that. Back tomorrow at six. JBS up next. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian. Good morning. Welcome to the JBS show. I'm Jonathan Vernon-Smith. It's Thursday. And on this morning's big phone-in, I'm asking, are you being self